is done. This is Gary Legere, all you domestic white supremacist terrorists, bigot patriots. <laughs> How you all doing today? And welcome to another law-breaking show. And today is, of course, August 31st. Wow. Uh, 10 more days, 11 more days to my birthday. Getting older, getting older, but getting wiser. But we got to get stronger and getting more knowledge into the things of which, well, we must save this country. And of course, why? Because you're in the interest of justice, which is the name of the show you're listening to now. That's what it's about and helping to bring our country back to the law and order and to respect those who have versed in the laws that are being suppressed and taken away from us and given back to the people where it needs to belong. And there's a lot of pioneers out there and people got to work within the death cult or the blood cult, rather, of the bar or the blood bar, as I like to call it. And uh, again, taking justice, depriving us of, of justice and our rights and due process. And it's only getting worse. And that's the model they want to throw and foil upon us all. And while they try to kill us from many different angles at the same time, and we must not let that happen. And these pioneers and these people that work within the law that see these injustices going on, uh, it is they we must put our hopes in and that to help educate us, be tolerant with us, because they know it's like the scriptures, man. It's like some type of religious society. God forbid, damn you, if you even want to use those rights of rules of passage of our constitution and our amendments and our rights and everything else that's granted upon us again that they want to keep us ignorant of to deprive us of them and also to pay thousands of dollars to people to represent you using those secrets <laughs> and that's not right someone's got their uh their phone on police mute but with that being said, we got a cool show for you all today as we're going to have Gary Zerman on with us. But uh, I got some, I believe we have our co-host, uh, Frank Kinesia on with us. Frank, you there? Welcome to the show, my friend. You know, it's pretty interesting. There's so much stuff going on every day. You know, I put so much, only a few news articles and things that are critical of the moment. But that's just nothing. It's a dust back on a pile that's been piled up and crapped up against us and the hard to get into. But there's a lot of cool things going on, Frank, uh, regarding, you know, again, injustices. Speaking again, remember that Ashley Babbitt? Well, it turns out her mom was speaking and uh, they're praying outside of the jails where our patriots are being wrongly withheld feces on the floor, gulag conditions, third world nation standards or substandards, dep deprivation of rights, they even haven't even been charged yet, many of them. But remember, they're out there praying for those inside, waving, that jackass, her days are coming. That's all I'll say. But the thing is, and where is she on anything? Look, she's useless. She's part of the problem. All right, she's part of the infiltrators. They're part of the enemy. Okay, because we're the enemy now. Remember, everyone listening to this. All right, if you're not mad, and why do you sound the way you do? Because I'm pissed off. Okay, and there's a we got a motto here on the show. All right, he who is not angry when there is just cause for anger is immoral. Why? 
because anger looks to the good of justice, right? And if you can live amid injustice without anger, then you are immoral as well as unjust. And that says, get the fuck out of the way. We're going to steamroll over you and take this country back, even for you. Think about that, people. You know, you may have controverting, you know, views and whatnot, but that's what America is about. Freedom of speech. First Amendment with this show is founded purely on the basis of, and it's the basis of our rights and to which we would have lived the norm in this country every day, but that's been taken from us. But besides that, I want to bring up some of these news points before I go to introduce the guest in like 25 minutes. So Ashley Babbitt's mom, she speaks out there, right? You get these jackasses coming up to them, you know, yelling at her, yelling at the people. Like, what's the big problem? Aren't they happy, you know, that the people are in the, in the jails, right? Representing us all, we the people. And remember, her daughter was shot on January 6th, unarmed. Granted, going through a window. But is that enough to get shot in a damn throat for? By someone that, you know, is walking around, you know, acting like he's the fucking hero of it all. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Those are just injustices that we the people and certainly Ashley Babbitt's family, her mom and father and others and family feel. Now, they're being told that, screamed at also, that get this, her daughter deserved to die. Talk about trying to incite a reaction that that would, you know... I would have decked them right in the nose. I'm sorry. You know, but that's that's just wrong. It's just wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, they're going to glorify all that. But Ashley Babbitt's mom speaks out, terror, terrorized by the U.S. government. What really happened on January 6th? Stu Peters did an interview with her there. You can watch the video on in the, on the interest of just on in the interest of justice.us again in the interest of justice.us and anyone that would like to maybe call in later when the guest is on uh ask him questions or whatnot 786-633-2225 786-633-2225 all right so that'll be the number to call in later so isn't that interesting now also speaking about january 6th someone who's in the jail Proud boy infuriates regime <laughs> by still insisting the election was stolen. See, that's what they want to do. They held these prisoners, political prisoners, like a third world nation, and say, all right, well, let's cut a deal with you. Why? What laws did I break? I mean, we could talk about hours, I'm sure, about that. Uh, but the thing is, he's still insisting that the election was stolen. They want him to dis you know, to dissuade for that, to tell the public that's not true. All right, we'll keep you in jail. You know, we think you're a puss and, you know, we'll think you give in. Well, no, he's standing his ground. He sentenced to four and a half years in prison for smashing a sign in, on January 6th and resisting the narrative, which is what? That uh, that it was a pure, clean election of a, I need one million votes for someone that can't even fill up a high school room without them being paid to go there to sit in his little circles, Right. So think about this. And he admits, okay, I did, you know, I broke the law. So they wanted to throw the max at him, probably almost five years. They really wanted to give him five. He got just about that. Because mainly he was saying, no, the election was stolen. He has his beliefs. And that's his First Amendment American right. Right? As a citizen. Now, get this. When we consider the next article, again, on the interest of justice.us, a man freed by bail 
by bail fund that was supported by Kamala Harris is now charged with murder. Right? Think about that. And yet this guy's in prison amongst many other people with crap on the floor, literally, torturous conditions, which should not be in any jail system in our country. Right? It's just sickening. Now, speaking of January 6th, and never mind January 6th, the election itself was January 6th was really the, their cover-up to throw it and uh, uh, propel it on the people of the crimes that they committed of their insurrection and their government takeover from November 3rd of the previous year. And now with everything going on, FBI rating and being shown and proven that they had uh, finagled even uh, with the results of the election to, to get those results and to steer the public and uh, deprive others of their rights. As uh, Trump declares, someone's got to mute their mic, please. Someone's got to mute their mic. But uh, Trump is declaring the right. Uh, Trump, de Trump declares. Declare the rightful winner. We'll have a new election. President Trump on the FBI covering up Hunter Biden's laptop and also altering the 2020 election. So you could click on that. I don't have the time to read all that. Very interesting. But on other notes, from all the law breaking and the mess, murder and the mass deprivation of rights from all of humanity, including human rights. They want you eating Z-bugs. This comes from The Hague. Someone's got their, mute, their mic on. Please mute, man. But from The Hague, International Trials Day 1. That's right. International Trials Day 1, Crimes Against Humanity. You want the truth? There it is. Everyone who has taken the commie shots will now see their mistake. Watch it. This is real. It's happening and it needs to gain momentum. Of course, the commie mainstream propaganda networks are trying to keep you all from the, all this news. They don't tell you this shit on the normal news, right? They're not news. They're fake news. They're propaganda networks. Now, the next article just has uh, helped segue in the backup for the fact of that as vaccine injuries skyrocket as the Democrats blame Trump now for the death vax. Isn't that interesting? They well, well, Trump stepped in that uh, that pile himself, and you know, and under that you can see uh, by Greg Reese a video that was titled "The Trump Vaccine." This is all showing the things that Trump needs to see, or does he know about? He cannot be ignorant of the things and the injuries going on, but yet he uh, responds to Alex Jones, who called him out last week again in a polite way as possible. Hey, you need to distance yourself. Come out publicly by September 28th, distance yourself from these commie shots because of the damages, you know, you've been lied to. Oh, that's all you have to say. You've been misled by these people, which adds to the criminality for these uh, courts to get Gates, Fauci, and all these other pricks, and uh, the pharma, and whatnot, okay? And so President Trump responded to Alex Jones. And Alex Jones had basically reported that President Trump stands firm. He's not going to be swayed. He believes he has his belief. Fine. But we have our freedoms, which, again, is also fine. Right. So but the problem is he's the one that initiated all this crap and all these things, unless it's going to be so obvious at some point that we've seen the need for him to do it to allow them to commit their crimes, knowing it would be poisoned. But he's got to distance himself or he looks complicit, right? And that's Alex Jones' main point. 
He loves the guy. Well, he likes the guy. Trump's done a lot of good things. He's a nice guy. And he's sure that he wouldn't do something like this to the public that he's trying to help save this nation for by killing them with commie shots. Right? So why is he not acknowledging someone's mic is on? Dude, we got to solve this problem every week. But uh, under that, Dr. Jane Ruby. Check out that video, too. The coming flu shots will be deadly. mRNA tech and everything now. Are you going to take the shots? Any of them. I won't trust anything of a doctor wanting to ever stab me again without a blade of mine potentially being under his throat because if I feel one side effect. Now, is that enough You know, to make you feel comfortable? You shouldn't have to feel like you would have to defend yourself, defend your life against the doctor giving you something that should be good for you, right? But that's what they were paid to do. This is sick. And we got to take our nation back. And these so-called traitorous leaders, they're in on it. You mentioned uh, Ocasio-Cortez. While her and all these others need to be brought to these justice uh, hearings, and I want to see them hang from a noose constitutionally, if warranted. And from what I've seen, there's more than enough to be warranted. But again, I wouldn't be a judge sitting on a certain panel. And I'm certainly not the military to, to, to determine that, right? But uh, I have my feelings, my right to it, my First Amendment. All right? Now, check this. Check out the next one by this anal swab, Klaus Schwab. Permanent collapse. They're right. They're telling it right to your faces. Globalist domestication and annihilation of the human species exposed. And they detail their plan of what's going on and what is going to happen. They control all the economic industries, all the media industries, and the ones that they don't, they think they could subvert by burning them all down, like food industries, food plants. How many now have been burned or accidentally destroyed within the past couple months in America? We're at over 130 now. One just blew up, went on fire the other day in California, but chicken. They want us eating z bugs. All right, so check that out. And there's a lot more to it. I know it sounds like I'm ranting. No, I'm mad. Again, remember the motto of this show about anger and justice. All right, now this one really. <laughs> Look, I don't care about anything. You want to. Say, if I say anything that could be used against me to arrest me for threats of violence, Biden labels Republicans, and really anyone else, as fascists ahead of tyrannical move towards civil war. Again, watch that, put it forth by uh, on Pandoc video. But he did. He said that. Why? He also stated at that, uh, that, that uh, conference he had the other day where I'm sure they had to pay people to come and sit in that little gymnasium because who the hell's going to show up on their own? All right. Now, he said, if we're going to fight America, meaning them, these fucking traitors, we're going to need F F-16s, F-2035s, whatever they are. We're going to need those jets, not guns. Then why do they want to take away our guns? Because they want to do that to us like they did in Iraq, like in Syria, like in Afghanistan. Remember, they, they collapsed the governments. They put their puppet governments in. The people don't like it. Damn, they're the labeled terrorists. Now drop bombs on them. Didn't Obama say, what, a couple years ago, a year or two ago, that you know he wasn't kidding? He loves uh, using Predator drones. He does. He's got a command stick. 
Well, a few years back, when Obama was still president, he put in that this country, no one, it was all crickets. This country was now labeled as a battlefield. Crickets. Really? This country's our battlefield. You don't see their plan unfolding, what they're trying to do. Okay? They want the Civil War. They need this country destroyed because with the Constitution gone, Although Trump is right there. If America falls, the world falls because America and the world holds on to the Constitution of the United States that grants it and us inalienable rights that empowers almost like a living document, breathing document as it was, our backbone, our very heart of what this nation, what we the people represent. Now, these people, they're saying things like that openly. It only shows they're placed people. They're not of their constituents who really voted for them because if they were, they wouldn't be talking like this. They're placed. Just like in the other nations where we were fighting Al-Qaeda. Well, I guess little, uh, you know, Mary and Sanjeep, they're little babies and all that. They became terrorists because they didn't support the puppet government that was put in place. It's the same people. You see? They're, it's only a matter of time. They want to drop those tomahawks on us. All right, let's just sit back. Let's just sit back and wait for the next guy to stand up. Or wait for someone to save us. Who's going to save us? It must be we the people. Because we already have the mode and that gives us the power and the means to do so. Constitutionally. And that's the Declaration of Independence. That's the Constitution. That's the Bill of Rights. And I'm not a lawyer. I'm not versed on the law. But I knew and know those basic things. Like the majority of us. But they're trying to make us the minority because that's being destroyed. And our replacements are coming through the border so, that being said, Frank, isn't it a wonderful time we live in? Do you still have hope that any of these things that we the people can overcome and do with the courts and with the powers constitutionally, or does it always have to come down to revolution as to be red blood? I mean, I'm mad, and I will... Do what has to be done, need be, when others, when we all reach the precipice, when there's no food and nothing else, and people are trying to kill you, to eat you, to eat your animals, and that this is not America. We will not let that happen. I, we will die fighting to protect us and you from that fate that does not belong to us. It belongs in the shithole nations. Not here. That being said, Frank, what are your thoughts on that? Am I overreacting? Or do I have, uh, what's that word? Validation for being angry. Everybody is overreacting today. This is a crazy world today, right? So, um, essentially, I have hope for the interest of justice. And I have hope for this radio show to educate, to get input and to get the word out what people can do, and that we should give the courts the benefit of the doubt and hope that the courts will come forth with with the eyes of justice and not the eyes of corruption. So we're testing it now. And if that fails, who knows what's going to happen? Hmm. Well, that's the problem, because a lot of us think that the, the laws, and as applied and as learned, and as scholar people, I'm sure even like our upcoming guests, you know, can attest to those should be the very fabric of what does and hold our nation together and keep us strong of, uh, for those rights and those abilities to keep that 
together for long periods of time. Not just as some people call it an experiment. We are not an experiment. This nation is not an experiment. Who's the scientist behind it? He needs to be flogged. This is our life and this is our right and this is our will of we the people for a nation that is exceptional, for Americans that are exceptional, that's trying to be t taken all away from us and put us beneath the worms, literally and figuratively. So, again, Frank, I'm just, what do you think of that, though? Them actually, you know, it sounds like they are wanting to stir up a civil war, bloody one. Antifa's running around out there where they are 15s now. Is well, what's going to happen is, is that it just might get uh, some kind of civil disruption just might occur, but the military is going to step in quick and they're going to, uh, they're going to. You said uh, on it. I'm, I'm pretty confident that the military is very much aware of what happened during the elections and they're just waiting for the right time to come in and call it. Okay. So uh, this is this is an historic move, and uh, it, it, you know we we all have to wait and see. But something has to be done now. The one reason why the military probably has to step in is because our courts are failing us so far. So we're giving the courts one last chance to Who look is at Trump doing that. Where's <laughs> Trump doing that, Frank? Well, Trump is doing it on, on, he has so many cases going. I really like this uh, yeah, last one. Them the opportunity of giving them the opportunity. Where, where Mar-a-Lago, his home was raided by the FBI, and he's going to hold him accountable on the Fourth Amendment. Oh, I want to watch that. You know, government has no right to... Uh, to uh, search and seize without due process, without a proper warrant. I'm not right. so sure that the FBI had a proper warrant. We'll let Mr. Zerman comment on that. I, I'm dying to hear his opinion. Right. Now, um, chime well, him, why don't we chime him in at this point? Well, well, because we have to go to a break, I got to introduce him. This don't go like that. Frank, you got to get down with the motto here, brother. I love yeah. you and you will. You're not used to this, but you are part of helping the shape. <laughs> One more time. I need to go to a break because I got to introduce him. Please, bro. All right. That's the format this is going to be from now on, just to save it, period. All right. I don't want to, you know, it's nothing to argue about. All right. Other than that. So it's like Trump is giving them every chance because what you're talking about there, the military, uh, that's devolution. And if people aren't familiar with that, check out uh, Patel Patriot, uh, the things that the work that he has done to I don't have a link or anything for him right at the moment, but those out there do a search on him anywhere else. Google likes the lie and probably hides a lot, but Patel Patriot and Cash Patel has also said a lot of things um, to which enables the military to do something because it's in the military hands now because they know our country was overthrown but with the help of foreign you know, interference and uh, collaborators. Yes, yeah, so, if I may intercede. When the military steps in, they're bringing the military courts forward. I understand that. It's I a understand. whole different kind of court, okay? It's not the bullshit corruption that goes on with most of America's courts, which right. Gary can talk for hours on. 
Gigantic. Exactly, which is why he is uh, with us today and other uh, guests that we get. And uh, hopefully we'll be on in the future as this show progresses because all this is progressing and we need to be a voice out there with the balls and with the First Amendment behind us. And I don't care what anyone says. I'm going to say what I say regardless because they offend me. What about my feelings being offended by them? Are they above me? Are they above you? No, we are all Americans. No one is above the other. But according to this country and what's being done, oh, there are those. And there are plenty of those who think they're above you coming through our nation to replace us as we speak. Now, that being said, now, what I heard, though, is that Trump may be waiting to give the go-ahead because he wants to give these guys plenty of opportunity to do the right thing, to do the rule of law by the rule of law, which he loves. And so should we. Even if we're guilty, we want the rule of law to defend us there in our rights as well, right? I'm not speaking ill. This is, I mean, let's look at this realistically. For innocent and guilty, there's rights that are there, okay, that, that protect us. And even those that uphold these rights, meaning judges, lawyers, uh, anything else, the justice systems, all these are upheld by them. And they have to be held up to higher standards if they are trying to... Uh, withhold that fabric strong in our as our country. You see where I'm going? And once that all that, that fabric tears, like it's being done now, we must fight for it to take it back. But so basically letting them continue on with their crimes. But up to what point? Up to what point? I think he's got a pretty good lawful case now to bring forth, uh, before, you know, to allow the military. Until Trump says, all right, go ahead. I tried to give them the chance, but why mess with an enemy while well, they're in the process of destroying themselves? But the problem is, it's costing lives here, too. That's my problem. How many more Americans would die if it was by some other process? Maybe more. How many more Americans will die until the military does step in? And remember, they have been infiltrated and are being gouged out and are being commie-shotted and are being, uh, what's that word, uh, lessened of their strengths lessened of their capabilities to defend us on our home front, let alone anywhere else. So hopefully there's a, these guys in the military uh, are enough that will stand up against any and all to do what they, needs to be done to take this country back. Frank, I am highly optimistic of that too, but it's like nail-biting. How much precipice do we all have to go through before we see their interaction? And here's the bigger fear. What if they don't? What do we do? And is it too late to act at that point? Well, I think that being said, I think we're going to go to a break and uh, then come back and uh, bring on our guest, Gary Zerman. But I, maybe I should introduce him now. Then we'll go to a break. So then when we come back from the break, he's on with us. Does that sound all right to you, gentlemen? Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it does. All right. Now, that being said, let me introduce uh, Gary Zerman. Again, this show is new and it's still being shaped and formed. It is what it is, but it is a voice of the people. Okay? Please go to intheinterestofjustice.us. Intheinterestofjustice.us. All right? Again, he who is not angry when there is just cause for anger is immoral. Why? Because anger looks to the good of justice, which is why I am here and what got me interested in thanks to Frank and his passion and the passion of many people he knows and others like Gary tonight, uh, Gary today who we're going to introduce. But anyway, but if you can live amid injustice without anger, then you are immoral as well as unjust. So think about that. So therefore, I should listen to you. 
Who the hell are you? I live once. No one rules me. I'm an American. <laughs> but Gary Zerman was born on September 1st, 1952 in Columbus, Ohio. He grew up in Sarasota, Florida and graduated from Sarasota High School in 1970. The year I was born. Wow. But Gary served in the U.S. Air Force from 1971 to 74, the security police specialist. And he did a 14-month tour in uh, Vietnam, Thailand. Gee, that must have been something. But Gary went to Manatee Junior College where he received his AA degree. Uh, he went to the University of West Florida, Pensacola, Florida, where he received his uh, BS, I guess his bachelor's degree in business management in 77, 1977. Gary also went to the Southwestern University School of Law in Los Angeles, California, where he received his Juris Doctorate degree in 1983. And Gary's a member of California and Arizona State Bars and member Central, Eastern, and Northern Federal District Courts and Ninth, and Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and a member of the U.S. Tax Court. And most of Gary's career spends in insurance in it spent in insurance, defense, litigation, and trial work, including representing major motor vehicle manufacturers and product in product liability cases, government uh, tort liability, and construction liability cases. In later years, Gary spent in uh, plaintiff's legal malpractice and legal judicial governmental reform. And that's the key right there, why he's very important, I believe. And Frank uh, stresses that also. But Gary wrote several papers on the subjects of conflicts of interest and the doctrine of judicial immunity. Again, something Frank's also very passionate about. But Gary also was de a deputy uh, city attorney for the city of Hawthorne, California. He primarily conducted criminal trial calendars, conducted criminal case pretrial dip dispositions, and conducted several misdemeanor criminal trials. And uh, Gary is a founding member and co-author of Jail <laughs> for Judges. Judicial Accountability Initiative Law Ballot Initiative to curtail the doctrine of absolute judicial immunity. And I'm sure we'll be getting into that tonight. Again, something Frank's really passionate about, and I don't blame him. But Gary was legal counsel and media representative for South Dakota Amendment East Ballot Initiative 2006 to limit judicial immunity. That's very important. Again, they're there to represent us and to take on that position and knowing that and using it for their own means that's counter to our rights and our ability to defend ourselves, let alone to their jobs, well, they shouldn't. They should be held responsibility if they fall out of bounds and or taken off the bench at the same time. But anyway, co-counsel of citizens for fair representation in federal court case in Eastern District, Cal, to stop vote delusion. To stop, to stop vote dilution <laughs> and increase representation to return California, the state with the worst representation, back to a representative republic, which America is supposed to be, not a democracy. This is their democracy. They're talking to themselves, not ours. We're the peasants. We're the white supremacist terrorists. But anyway, from its president state of oligarchy that Gary states California is in. And it's true. Gary conducted over 50 arbitrations, 25 trials, and 15 appeals. Wow. And uh, he's also appeared on several legal panel discussion, radio shows, and television, including Commie News Network, and now on the Mad Martians in the interest of 
justice. <laughs> and uh, hopefully he'll continue to be on again. But please go to intheinterestofjustice.us to see the information for, to, uh, for today's guest, Gary Zerman, like I just read out. And also the news clips and videos there down at the bottom. Again, it's only a speck compared to all the important news that really needs to be discussed. For me to get into all that, I should be doing this show every day. Hmm. Mm. Think about that. Another domestic white supremacist, terrorist, bigot, patriot, <laughs> spreading his First Amendment that they want to pull us down. Well, there's many more of me and many more of them that are being targeted than they realize. And they're going to be overwhelmed. They're going to be de-swamped and swamped with patriots and digitally, cyberly, be that in, uh, digital warrior as it was. You know, it's the next best step before you pick up the AK-47s and the AR-15s. And that shouldn't have to come to that. That's horrifying. And think of our children. But they, they don't. They want our children. But that being said, uh, I believe we have Gary and Frank on with us. And uh, thank you very much, Gary, for being on. And let me slip into the mode now. And I got to say that uh, you're very credentialed and someone was bitching about why? Oh, my long-winded winded introductions. Why not? Does he not deserve the respect of being known on who he is and what he's about and his life's work? Does that, does that mean nothing? It shows respect to the guest and respect to the subjects of which we're talking about. This ain't about me. I don't have the knowledge of this individual, but yet I'm going to be here talking with him, and I appreciate his tolerance and anyone else's tolerance in that fact and my ignorance because I am here as an American who needs to know, and I'm learning. And that's another perspective I do this is to learn. You know what I'm saying? Which helps you all, too. It'll benefit you all. All right? He's there as a pioneer and on our behalf holding the flag out ahead of us. Pick up the flag. Follow forward. Thank you, Gary, and I'm sorry about that. But I do those long introductions for a reason, so I hope you understand too, sir. Yes, I do. Thank you. Uh, I'm out here on the left coast, so it's still morning, but good afternoon to you guys. Uh, a very wise man, Thomas Jefferson, said, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants alike. Um, that's what's going to happen in this country if we don't uh, start standing up for our rights, uh, enforcing the Constitution, and demanding justice. Uh, we would like to avoid that. There's also a saying that it's better to strike a, uh, strike a match than to curse the darkness. So I'd like to uh, strike a match and put some illumination on some of these critical problems we're facing today. Yes. Let's go to uh, our Declaration of Independence. It starts out, we the people, we're supposed to be sovereign. But what has happened is that's been inverted. Uh, let's go to our Constitution, uh, some of the founding principles. The first is we're supposed to have a government of limited and express powers. Well, there are no limits to our uh, federal government today. Our federal government is, is, in fact, a cancerous behemoth, and it just keeps metastasizing. The second is the Constitution and the rule of law. That, for quite a while, and presently today, has been uh, trumped by corruption in politics. Uh, when do we see the federal government ever held accountable? Go to Ruby Ridge, where they uh, unconstitutionally changed the rules of engagement and said that you could shoot any adult. They didn't have to be 
presenting uh, an immediate threat. Any adult with a weapon, you could just shoot them. Then they changed it to you could just shoot an adult male with a weapon. And in fact, what they did was shot Randy Weaver in the back. He had a shoulder over his rifle. His back was to the sniper, Lon Horiuchi, as he was opening shed to visit his deceased son, Sammy, 14 years old, who they had shot. They shot him in the back. When they fled to the, uh, the cabin, uh, Horiuchi said he had a bead on Kevin Harris and was following him and shot blindly into the cabin. And Vicki Weaver was standing there at the door holding their uh, 12-month-old daughter, and he blew her head away. Now, no one in the FBI was held accountable there. They had criminal trials against Randy Weaver and Kevin Harris, and they were acquitted of all charges except Randy's failure to appear, which was misconstrued because it was a bogus uh, uh, notice to begin with. But uh, there's a department in the uh, 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 Department of Justice called OPR, Office of Professional Responsibility. They, in fact, did a report and did their job. They said certain people in the FBI should be brought to criminal charges. That report was then presented to Janet Reno, and she took a powder on it, let them off. Uh, recently, we have the uh, plot and coup against Donald Trump. Uh, They were spying on his campaign. They were spying on his uh, administration, and I believe it goes on today. Uh, On January 5th, 2017, there was a meeting in the Oval Office with uh, President Obama, Vice President Biden. I believe Comey was there, Susan Rice, and Sally Yates, and maybe a few more. Joe Biden proposed uh, going after targeting General Flynn, uh, to frame him and then entrap him, and he suggested the Logan Act. So Joe Biden was in on this conspiracy, and not only was he not held to account, he was rewarded, just like everyone else uh, in that plot and coup of the uh, bogus Russian collusion. Uh, Horowitz, who was the inspector general for the Department of Judgment, uh, Justice, who did the report on the uh, Mueller uh, did, did the analysis and report on the Mueller report that found no Russian collusion, recommended criminal prosecutions for James Comey and Andrew McCabe and sent those over to William Barr. And we know what happened. William Barr did not prosecute them. Why is that? Why aren't these people held to account? Then, uh, in fact, Andrew McCabe was fired. He ended up uh, losing his pension, but he ended up getting it back, and they have now given him uh, uh, attorney's fees to pay all his attorney's fees. General Flynn didn't get that. Uh, Carter Page didn't get that. Papadopoulos didn't get that. But the government gets the benefit all the time. So our, our, we the people, our sovereignty has been in, inverted. And in fact, what we have is we the government. And instead of a rule of law, we have a rule of arbitrary and a rule of tyranny. 
And the third fundamental uh, principle is uh, representation. We are supposed to be a representative republic. It's even in Article 4, Section 4, that uh, the government will guarantee every state a republican form of government. Well, we brought a case out here in California in federal court uh, for vote dilution, improper apportionment, because what has happened is to have a representative republic as a population grows, you have to add new members to the legislature to keep, to keep those ratios of representation. In, in the, the Constitution, the federal Constitution, it has one rep for every 30,000. In fact, today we have one rep for 770,000. And representation was so important. Uh, I'll give you an example. The Bill of Rights, uh, Amendments 1 through 10, were actual Actually, when they were proposed, they were called articles, and there were 12 articles that were proposed. And the the ones that were passed, 1 through 10, the amendments, were actually uh, 3 through 12. The first article – pardon me? What were the other ones that were left out? I wonder what those were that could benefit us. Well, here's how important important representation was. It was article the first. And it said that once we got to 100 representatives, we would go one rep for every 40,000. We would increase that. And then right. it went on to say once we got to 200, it would be one for 50. So if we had one rep for 50,000 people, we should have 6,000 rep- representatives today. Right. But we don't. I'll get into that in a minute. But uh, there was a Federalist paper, and it says that uh, the executive branch and the judiciary will be few in numbers and distant from the people, whereas the legislature will be many, varied, and amongst the people. And that's why the legislature is Article One. It's closest to the people, and especially the lower house. That's supposed to be the lifeblood of the people. But what has happened in both uh, California, many states, and the federal government, they have capped the legislature. And when you cap the legislature, what you're doing is cutting off the power of the people because sure. you, you allow these uh, districts to just keep growing and growing, growing to the point where you no longer have any representation. In California, uh, we cut off uh, uh, our legislature in 1862. California became a state in 1850. So the last time we added a member to the state legislature was in 1862. There was 80-something members and 40 state senators. There was less than 500,000 people in California at the time. And we still have 80 and 40, despite the fact that we have added over 40 and a half million people. So as time went on, our representation and the power of our vote ever diminished. Now, the same problem exists in uh, The federal government, in 1911, we capped the House of Representatives at 435. The population of the country at that time was 95 million. So we've added about 235 million people, but no more representatives. And so where we used to have that one for 30 and then it grew, 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 it's now one rep for 770,000 people or more. How how are you going to be represented by that? You can't. You don't have a seat at the table. Your voice is not heard. Now, in your opinion, sir, that is not 
like some natural happenstance that ultimately people would say, well, that shows that the republic does not work. It needs something else. But that it was uh, not a natural progression, but a deliberate progression of what you're describing. Like, could it have been avoided is what I'm trying to say. Oh, not only should it have been avoided, it has to be avoided or we lose our country. Right. And in fact, they have worked hard to get it. We took this issue to both parties. They don't care about representation of the people. They they like the power the way it is. And we have an oligarchy then. Indeed. And who want to give and, you and so here's what happened with our case in California. Uh, we languished two years in the trial court and never got out of there. It was dismissed for lack of standing. And lack of standing is largely a uh, judicial policy or program. And then there's another one called political question and justiciability. And they have all this discretion and largely do what they want on that. But what they did is end up dismissing our complaint, despite uh, we ended up going to the U.S. Supreme Court twice. Now, these cases about uh, apportionment are entitled to a three-judge panel. And in our case, we requested a three-judge panel, and the judge, the trial judge initially said she was going to give it to us. But then uh, the Department of Justice in California, who is representing the Secretary of State, made a motion for reconsideration that was just total garbage. It had no new facts, no new law, and the judge then granted it and reconsidered and pulled it back. We could not find a case where they ever pulled it back. In fact, there's a 2015 case called McManus versus Shapiro out of the U.S. Supreme Court. It was unanimous. It was authored by Justice Scalia that even further limited the jurisdiction of that trial judge to determine whether it was entitled to a three-judge panel and limited the jurisdiction of the chief judge who selects the other two judges. And in fact, later in the case, we got the judge to admit that there were some back-channel discussions where she had granted it and she talked to staff over at uh, the chief judge's office or the chief judge himself and apparently was instructed to pull it back. Now, we took that... That's a legal ex parte... Communication. communication, yes. And we took that to the U.S. Supreme Court uh, on an extraordinary writ only to get two words back. Petition I- denied. And we had a saying at, at, at jail for judges that judges are going to have to increase their vocabulary beyond petition denied because that's what happens. Too often, uh, these judges are not doing their job and they're siding with the government. And that's what happens. So, let me get back to the founding principles. That's what we have right now is that too often government circles the wagons. Uh, government comes in, again, it starts out very beautiful, the language, we the people, and that we're sovereign and that government's our servant. But what happens over time is things have been chipped away and government has circled the wagons. They've granted themselves privileges, immunities, exempted themselves from the law, and the servant has become the master. Uh, there's example after example, like I gave you Ruby Ridge, and there's several others. I'll give you another one, an amazing case called U.S. versus Edwin P. Wilson, uh, where government simply is not held accountable. Uh, why was Hillary Clinton not charged uh, when James Comey came out there? First of all, most people don't know, James Comey could not do what he did there. The FBI doesn't prosecute anybody. They're an investigative body. 
That's right. So where was where where was Loretta Lynch? Why didn't she, her hackles get up and she protest and say, "Wait a minute, you're usurping my authority." Well, she had met met earlier with Bill Clinton on the tarmac in Phoenix. And in fact, the reporter that broke that story just died. And it's alleged he committed suicide. Of course. Now, uh, but why didn't she do that? Because she met with Bill Clinton and they devised that plan and James Comey was in on it. Where was the media? Why aren't they asking any of these questions? Why didn't one person in the media say, excuse me, Mr. Comey, what are you doing? You're usurping the law. You do not have the power, the authority, to charge anyone. So what are you doing here? So it was all a disinformation operation, a plot, a scheme. Now, recently we had another one with the Hunter Biden laptop, (laughs) where 50 former high-level intelligence officers, including, I think, three or four of the past directors of the CIA, all signed on to this letter saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was more Russian disinformation. Now, I haven't seen anybody come out and say, wait a minute, who thought up this major disinformation project? Who got the funding for it? Who okayed it? How did you get these 50 swamp rats to sign on that quick? And why aren't they uh, uh, paying a price? Because what they did there was interfere in election. You know, they accused Trump and Russia of doing that all the time. But they actually did it there, and now we've got the proof where uh, Zuckerberg came out and said that he was approached by the FBI and said, kill the story. Also, NPR, who, who, who operates out of our taxpayer money, said they weren't going to cover the story. So that their funding should be taken away. They should be dismantled because these people actually interfered in an election, actually affected the outcome of an election. There's poll after poll that says that had the public known that that laptop story was true, they would not have voted for Joe Biden. Hence, Donald Trump would be the president. And I think he's he's right. He's got some uh, rhetoric about uh, the election was stolen. And I think that's true. That this shows it's, it's happened. Yeah. And, and them doing election meddling and being involved in them, that's treason in itself. But they get away with these things time and time again. And then they want to go to more and more mail-in balloting. And all the studies show that that's just fraught with fraud. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it just goes on. But let me go to the Edwin P. Wilson case. Uh, it came out in 2003. Let me give your um, audience the citation for that. It's... 289 F SUP S U P P second 801 SD Southern District Texas 2003 and I can't believe this uh, decision was uh, rendered it was uh, written by Justice Lynn Hughes a federal uh, uh, district court trial judge and what he did was re uh, vacated the conviction of uh, Edwin P. Wilson. Edwin P. Wilson was a big guy. He came out of Idaho. He was about six foot four, went into the Marines, was in the Korean War. When he got out, he went to work for the CIA, not as a covert agent, but he set up the front companies. And he worked there for a number of years and retired. And then he continued to do the same thing, but in a little different capacity, he was retired. But he still did the same thing. In fact, he was Gaddafi's go-to guy. And in the opinion, they say uh, 
he ended up giving Gaddafi 80% of the U.S. C-4 explosives. And nothing was done about that, so you've got to believe the government authored it. And uh, some of that may have ended up on Pan Am 103 that blew up over Lockerbie, Scotland. But anyway, uh, uh, Gaddafi, or, uh, uh, Wilson would come back, and then he would be debriefed and give them intelligence as to what Gaddafi was doing and other things. And so this went on. But uh, about – and Peter Moss wrote a book on him that turns out to be wrong called Manhunt – and it was search for a renegade rogue agent, the most dangerous man in America. So they lured him down to the Dominican Republic, arrested him, and then tried him in the Southern District there. And he was convicted. He got 51 years. He ended up spending 17 years in prison, 10 in solitaire. And then Judge Hughes wrote this opinion because what he did while he was in there, he did uh, several FOIA requests and got all this information that showed that they fabricated an affidavit by uh, Charles Briggs in the uh, rebuttal case. The uh, government put on their case, and there was over two dozen high-level attorneys from both the Justice Department, CIA involved in this, as well as their superiors in bunkers in Washington. And everybody had their careers enhanced by the conviction of Wilson. So what happened, they put on their case and said, oh, we've checked all of our records and he's not working for us. Wilson put on his defense and he called a couple of guys from the CIA who said, well, yeah, he was working with us and these were approved and he was working for us. You know, he's not a renegade rogue uh, agent. So then the government wants to introduce the Charles Briggs affidavit. He's the number three guy at the CIA. And he comes in and prepares this. The attorneys do it and widely discussed amongst all of them. And in fact, some of them said, you know, we can't do this. This is completely wrong. We're fabricating this. You know, this, these are lies. And so then uh, they go to present it. And what he's going to do is they Briggs is not going to testify. They're just going to introduce his affidavit, get a third party innocent person out of nowhere to just sit on the witness stand and read his affidavit, and then you're not able to cross-examine it. Well, that violates Wilson's uh, Sixth Amendment right to confront the witnesses against him, and it's also hearsay because it's an out-of-court statement brought into court for the truth of the matter asserted, but you can't then cross-examine it. So then post-trial... Wilson made all these motions, denied, denied, denied. They, they stood by the affidavit. Then on appeal, the appeal was uh, affirmed three to zero. One of the justices saying that, oh, look at this. It's got the legal counsel signed on to that affidavit. And here's the seal of the CIA. Well, it turns out the thing was totally fabricated. And let me read part of the decision here. In the course of American justice, one would have to work hard to conceive of a more fundamentally unfair process with a consequently unreliable result than the fabrication of false data by the government under oath by a government official presented knowingly by the prosecutor in the courtroom with the express approval of his superiors in Washington. And... Nightline, when this case came out, did an expose and said, geez, you know, what's going to happen to these people? I mean, they lied through their teeth over and over and over again, and their superiors lied over and over again. And this man has served 17 years in prison, 10 in solitaire. In fact, 
three of those attorneys were now presently sitting federal judges? And the answer, I believe you and your audience know what happened, nothing. So that was kind of the template and the uh, predicate for going after Trump. They knew they could get away with these things. And then that's led to the FISA court and the FISA warrants that are routinely uh, rubber stamped and they are routinely fraudulent. They're spying on us. The the, the, uh, FISA court is a facade. I mean, it's a government circling the wagons and protecting governments and pulling the wool over our eyes. Edward uh, Edward Snowden was right. Yes, and treating and, us and, and, and the NSA has built this giant facility. I believe it's in Idaho or Utah, and they have trouble getting enough uh, water because it's so large, and they have so many computers there. That's how much information they're gathering up on us. Wow! Yeah, and us so, patriots and uh, American constitutionalists. So in, in many ways, you know, our government not only is not serving and representing us, it's out there harming us. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me go to another case that's simply amazing. Have you, have you guys ever heard of uh, the Trayvon hoax, the book and movie, Trayvon uh, Martin? I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen the movie. I know who he was and what happened. What about you, Frank? Yes, of course. Everybody knows the Trayvon case. Okay, well, the, the subtitle of the movie is Un- Unmasking the Witness Fraud that Divided America. Do you know that they called a false witness in that case and, and clearly violated George Zimmerman's uh, constitutional rights? Oh. When they wrongly re- re-arrested him, wrongly charged him, and wrongly prosecuted him. They called a false witness. And Benjamin Crump, there's a tape of him saying, playing... Uh, the, this other witness's uh, voice saying, and we pushed her. So he's the one that set this up and was joined by Eric Holder in the Justice Department and Barack Obama saying, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. And the reason they did all that was to uh, make the black population mad and get out the vote for the 2012 election. But they called a fraudulent witness in that case. You need to go watch the movie because it's done by Joel Gilbert. He wrote the book and and did the movie. He went and got all the uh, text messages, which the prosecution didn't turn over to the criminal defense until just before they're calling this false witness. And the false witness was Rachel Gentile, who looks nothing like Diamond Eugene, who, who was Trayvon Martin's girlfriend or one of them, and may have been on the phone with him. But I don't know. She couldn't add anything to the case anyway, because they were on a phone. He dropped the phone or shut off the call. So she knows nothing to begin with. But they used this pretext, this false uh, witness that they brought into court, and they use that to, again, wrongly arrest him, wrongly charge him, and wrongly try him. And they almost set off a race riot in the country. <laughs> and nobody's punished for that. Uh, George Zimmerman brought a case, but it was thrown out. I, I don't know why, but it was in the state of Florida. But where, where was the attorney general for the state of Florida and the state's attorney that brought that case and those prosecutors and, and the Martin family? And uh, Benjamin Crump that goes around making millions of dollars when he he's the one that started bringing in a false witness. And that's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not bear false witness. 
That's right, which the Constitution was also founded on principles of. And yet it's ignored, and then this whole thing just migrates then over to uh, Ferguson, Missouri, where they made up, hands up, don't shoot. That never happened. And it's because the media is is, is controlled by outside forces or corporate forces. And one thing we have to change is there's a case called New York Times versus Sullivan, and there's a really good law review article that says was uh, New York Times versus uh, Sullivan wrong, and it concludes that it was because it just wiped out the law of defamation, and especially against public figures and public officials, and you can just defame them all you want. And it turned everything into a national food fight, and these people are no longer journalists. They're operatives. That's right. Yeah. And just ju- just like uh, that major disinformation operation about the Hunter Biden laptop, where you got the 50 former high-level intelligence officers. That needs to be looked into and find out who is it that thought this up, who approved it. It went up to the highest levels. Who's paying for it? Probably our government uh, taxes again, some from some uh, government agency or somewhere we're paying for this, and it's used to interfere and affect the outcome of an election all on fraud. As well, well as put us under the, the Republicans t- take back power shortly, they will have investigative committees concerning the hundred. Well. Well, I, I, I hope you're right, but uh, when Donald Trump became president, we had both houses. We had the House of Representatives and the Senate, and we had Paul Ryan, the reluctant speaker, who is a rhino, and it's kind of like a uniparty we have up there. Uh, there's a ruling class. There's a really good article called uh, America's Ruling Class and the Perils of revolution. It was in the American Spectator, and it came in, I believe, in August of 2010 by a brilliant man, Angela Cotavia. And, and what he said is, like, it's a uniparty. Uh, these two major parties, just like we went to them with our representation issue, they didn't care. They wouldn't pick it up. I tried to get on uh, that show, uh, it's on Fox with Hilton, called The Next Revolution. I talked to his screener. 15 times, I sent her 20 emails and said, our case is the next revolution. I never even got a a call back or an email back. So there's a uniparty up there. And this article by Angela Cotavia, America's ruling class, the perils of revolution, predicted something like Donald Trump. It doesn't mention Donald Trump, but he said, the rest of us are in the country class. And in the ruling class, both parties, they agree on all the big issues. And they're not representing us. And, and, and they feather their own nests. They all look, look at, uh, again, another thing back to the uh, Russia-Trump collusion. There was that lawyer, uh, Kleinsmith, who altered an email that said that uh, Carter Page is working for us, the CIA. And he fraudulently altered that and put not. Right. That's several major felonies. And what happened to him? He got prosecuted. He didn't get any jail time. He's even got his law license back. That's a disbarring offense. They're all looking out for each other and, you know, paying each other's off uh, to take away our rights and our freedoms and especially uh, having no interest of justice. 
Well, and here's here's an, here's another problem. It's the Federal Reserve. I mean, it's a license to act irresponsibly. We are thirty tra- thirty trillion dollars in debt. Let me give you an example. Here's kind of a rough example as to what a trillion dollars is. If you take hundred bills, a hundred dollar bills, and stack them about a foot high, that's a million dollars. A billion dollars is the Empire State Building stacked with hundred dollar bills. And that's uh, the Empire State Building is, uh, I think, over 980 feet. Now, a, a trillion dollars is Empire State Buildings of $100 bills around the circumference of the Earth. Oh. And they've done, they've done that 30 times. Now, you have to look, you have to work long and hard to get that much in debt. Now, that's bad enough, but the other thing is you'd think that we wouldn't have a problem anywhere with that much resources, that everything would be perfect. But in fact, if you check just about everything in the government, it's like termites have come in and eaten the foundation away. There's no integrity in any of these government offices. Again, go back to... uh, uh, that Edwin P. Wilson case, Charles Briggs, the guy, the number three guy at the CA that signed the, the false affidavit, the fabricated affidavit, his prior position with the uh, CIA was inspector general. Huh. <laughs> so, so much for inspector generals. They're, yeah. they're just another facade. And the same thing exists with uh, the commissions on judicial performance and these judicial councils in the, uh, the, that ride herd over these complaints against the judges. Uh, th- that's why we brought jail for judges. We had studied this, and we saw too many people uh, just get slammed. Good, honest people go to court and not get their day in court and, in fact, just get throttled. And then you'd find out that th- these judges have immunity. They can do whatever they want, and they can be criminally prosecuted. When do you ever hear that? And one of the problems there is that there's an inordinate amount of former prosecutors that are judges, so you have a closed fraternity. But year in, year out, hardly any complaints, almost to the tune of 100%, they're all dismissed against federal judges. And why is that? Because Congress has abdicated on its oversight duty, you never see any impeachments anymore. In fact, in the beginning, Thomas Jefferson said impeachment, oh, that's just a, a scarecrow. And throughout the history, there's only been about 15 or, or over 235, 40 years. There's only been 15 uh, federal judges ever impeached. And, and impeach means bringing the charges and then you have a trial. So not all of them were even convicted. So. You know, there's something wrong here. Uh, Power is usually abused, and then power plus immunity equals danger to the people. Just because you give somebody a $29 uh, cloth robe and a gavel, it doesn't come with a halo, and it doesn't come uh, with angel wings. I mean, there's a great great incentive to abuse power for for riches. And uh, Sir, um, that being said, sorry to interrupt. That being said, what can be done then to, for this reform to take place to ensure that that cannot and will not ever happen again if we're able to take everything back and clean house, pun intended? Well, 
one thing, like on all these issues, which you have to do, uh, Justice Brandeis is a very, very good scholar. I mean, there's t- let me give you two quotes from him. One, he said that the most important political office is that of private citizen. Well, citizens need to be educated, informed, and active, and they need to get off their apathy. It, freedom is not free. And if you just sit back and allow this government to grow, and we're socialists now. There are so many government programs due to the Federal Reserve that we're a socialist country. And they uh, give these things to people, and they fall asleep or something, and pretty soon they're going to find out they're prisoners. So one thing we have to do is educate people to empower them to take constructive action. The other thing is... Uh, why this show exists. Yeah, well, you know, get active and go after these judges because they become an imperial judiciary. Again, when we have capped the representation and we we have fewer and fewer reps or the same, but a growing population, so your vote and power is diminished, what's happened is the executive branch that's number two and the judicial branch that's number three have leapfrogged over uh, Article One, uh, the uh, legislature, and they've got more power than the legislature now. Do you know that uh, we have more federal judges than we have members of the House of Representatives? And in you're California... Seem, you're making it seem very pessimistic of there being a solution. Do you believe, as in like Frank, if there's a devolution going on, that it is going to have to take the military to intervene in this to help uh, people like you and others set this nation back, correct? Hopefully that's a good question. Well, I think the situation is dire. I mean, we've gone asleep for quite a while. And, you know, the government's grown and grown, and you see the powers they have. And I don't have that much faith, faith in the military. Look, look at what happened with Iraq, Afghanistan, and that's after Vietnam. And we spent 20 years over there, and now the, the, the Taliban's probably the fifth or sixth uh, most armed nation in the world now because we left all of that stuff there. And, and people were killed. And, and yet nobody was held, held accountable. The only guy that was held accountable is the, that uh, uh, lieutenant colonel in the Marines that s- spoke up and said, I, I'm, I'm amazed, I'm shocked and uh, upset that nobody was held accountable here. What did they do? They court-martialed him. Uh, and he's got a he's got a book, book out now called Crisis in uh, Command or Crisis in Leadership. And he's a really good guy and should be rewarded. He should be going to the top. But look what happened to him. Look what happened to General Flynn. He was blowing the whistle. Yeah. But this is and, a different, this devolution idea is a different premise for the military. It's not a premise where the president, the executive branch, orders the withdrawal of all troops from Afghanistan. Instead, it's going to be something more like uh, maybe uh, the elections are, uh, are in question from uh, 2020 and um, that maybe that, that uh, you know, I, well, being in and uh, a new role uh, that is superseding the false presidency. What do you think of that theory? Um, I don't know how that would happen, though. I mean, um, look, well, because look at, they look, have an enormous intelligence and they know that the elections were fixed and we're waiting for them to play their card to, 
to prove it. Apparently, there were there were watermarks on every ballot. Uh, okay, but 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 how are they going to do the right thing? They've demonstrated that they do the wrong thing over and over and over again. Are, the right uh, moment to act. These intelligence agencies are, are are not accountable. They're out of control. They proved it time and time again. Did you, did you hear of the Church Commission? Frank the Church. Church Committee. Frank Church. Frank Church. Yeah, that was back. I believe in the seventies. Yeah. Right. And. and Everybody the, CIA, the CIA and FBI were abusing their power back then, and it's like that never yeah. happened. They're doing it again. And look at these congressional hearings. They're worthless anymore. Look at the January 6th commission. Well, I think it's there's so- a lot of question right now about the CIA and about the FBI and about the Department of Justice. There's a lot of questions. People are becoming aware. Maybe well, that's a maybe good thing. Different is going to be done. But Larry okay. Clayman, a guy that knows a lot about this, he started Judicial Watch and and, yeah. and did some very good things. He's got a book out. Forget the scandals. It's time for a revolution. We've got to learn to fight. The Republicans don't know how to fight. Yeah, it seems. We need uh, and, all new people in there. But if they had how, a- how, did, how did Hillary Clinton get away with that? Besides having an unsecured private server in her house or her bathroom, she destroyed 30,000 emails that were under subpoena. Why wasn't her attorney held accountable? In fact, remember, they, allowed, they gave immunity to all of the people around her. I'll tell you how. Before okay. they testified. And I'll tell you how. Because the government is based on blackmail. And that's what we have to overcome so okay here's, well then that's you know but blackmail everybody and so that's how, why nothing was ever done against her not to mention there's a line of murders behind her <laughs> you know let's not go there uh but <laughs> but well, uh, remember, well, look at this Rem- wait 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 Rem- remember remember timothy geithner yeah timothy geithner is one of obama's first appointments when he was president Timothy Geithner, I, I don't think he'd ever had a private job. He'd always worked in the Federal Reserve and the banking. And they they figure out your taxes for you and and give you the money. He not only didn't take that money and file and pay his taxes, he kept the money. He didn't pay, he didn't file his taxes and he didn't pay them. And well, yet he that. that's pretty interesting, but that's not a battle. And yet he's then appointed head of the Treasury Department. How could that be? Blackmail. <laughs> so anyway, that, that whole blackmail thing came out with Jeffrey Epstein, right? Now we see the extent of the blackmail. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, I'm sure that goes on. I mean, that's how power plays. They use every tool they have, uh, and most of them are illicit. But uh, let me go to another thing that uh, – another uh, – uh, great quote by Justice Louis Brandeis was, if we desire that the law be uh, respected, we must first make the law respectful. That's right. how bad it is today, that there's no integrity in these processes. Perjury is rampant in the courts. You used to hear in America that America's got the best legal system in the world. And right. that was, when I started practicing, that was out about a lot. And it would go unchallenged. And I'd say, well, 
Are you sure of that? How about the perjury that's going on here? Then you heard it less and less, and then it was challenged. You don't even hear it anymore today. One of the biggest problems in this country is that we tolerate lies and liars. In fact, there's people out there, their job is to manufacture them, pump them up, these disinformation operations. And you've got the media that go with them. And so that's why you, you need to challenge uh, New York Times versus Sullivan so these media companies uh, can be held accountable. There was a book out uh, in 2002, I believe, by Bob Cohn. It was called uh, Journalistic Fraud, How the New York Times Lies and Cannot Be Trusted. That was in 2002. In uh, 1992, there was a great book by William Grider. He wrote a book, uh, New York Times bestseller earlier, called Secrets of the Temple about the Federal Reserve. But in 92, he wrote a book called Who Will Tell the People? The Betrayal of American Democracy. That was in 1992. That was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And in that same year, just before the election, uh, a presidential historian author Richard Reeves wrote an article putting uh, President Bush aside, that was the elder, and candidate Clinton, our epitaph will read, they lied. That's in 92, and it's gotten exponentially worse. Like Joe Biden, how could he become president? Robert Gates said he's been in Washington 43 years, and he's been wrong on every issue about foreign policy, one of the biggest, what? Everybody knows in their gut there was election fraud. Because yeah. there's just no way that Biden could be more, more popular to the extent well, but, but that he was uh, than Trump. But, but, but still, how could he even run? He's, he's worthless. I mean, he's a serial liar. How could Barack Obama even pick him? And well, then how could how, 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 how could a liar? Please. Then then how could Biden how could Biden pick Kamala Harris? She was the first one out of the primary. Yeah. And if this, we can't do if we can't okay. do it's a foreign foreign entity that's running the show known as the cabal. Okay. okay, well, what are we doing? Is on puppet strings. And that's how they do it. So, so we need to keep on exposing all that. But I, one of the solutions was, and I want you to talk about it, uh, was this uh, referendum you had going in South Dakota. Now, we, now, that was lost, but we should keep, keep trying again because that kind of thing goes directly to the people bypassing the politicians. That's well, what I, uh, uh, let me tell you about that. Why, why, why did we have to go to initiative or referendum? Because we had gone to our legislatures, and they won't do anything about the problem. Well, it's very and, powerful if you can win that referendum. There's nothing. It, they got their hands tied, the, uh, the politicians. Their hands are tied. The people have said what they wanted. So, so well, their hands aren't tied. Uh, they're they're, feeding. Their hands aren't tied. Their wallets are open, I guess, because they're not representing us. But here's how bad it is. Here's a book. Uh, let's see what year this was. This was by Saul Linowitz. At one time, he was the head of uh, Xerox, and then he was in some of the ca- president, uh, ca- cabinets. But it's called, and it was 1994. 
The Betrayed Profession, Lawyering at the End of the 20th Century. This is a major book out there. That's how bad it is. Then here's one, Judicial Deceit, Tyranny and Unnecessary Secret at the Michigan Supreme Court. And this was by, she was an associate justice and then became the chief justice of the Michigan Supreme Court. Her name was uh, Elizabeth A. Weaver, Judicial Deceit. And... uh, Again, these commissions protect, uh, they're a facade. They, they don't represent the public. They protect the corrupt judges. Okay, let's get back to the idea of a referendum. Why can't we try again? All right. Well, but, here's well, what happened. First, yeah. So give us the history of jail and the South Dakota uh, initiative and why it failed. Okay, uh, we got together a bunch of us that uh, had been throttled in court. In fact, let me go for an aside for a second. There's a guy by the name of Wins- uh, William Windsor out of Georgia, and he had a group called Lawless America, and he went across the country and got testimonials out of every state where people were saying that the, the, the court system is just corrupt. And most of the lawyers are corrupt. And he wasn't, I don't know what's happened to him. I know they they went after him a few times and jailed him. But back to jail, we started that in California. A group of us came together. Uh, What happened to me is I had a slam dunk uh, legal malpractice case that involved conflicts of interest. And it was a third generation legal uh, malpractice. And case one and case two were irregular proceedings because these attorneys represented a non-waivable conflict of interest, and you're not going to win that case when you take it to to the jury. You're you're arguing against yourself. And despite the trial court, the state bar, and uh, the appellate court finding there was a conflict of interest, they threw the case out. I didn't even get to present it. And the judge did that sui sponte. Uh, the, the defendants never challenged the complaint pre-trial. They didn't challenge it during trial. In fact, we only started the trial, and we come back from lunch, and it was clear that they got together with the judge. I've got a jury in the box, a witness on the stand. I'm at the lectern, and the judge goes, jurors, go into the uh, jury room and find for the defendant. No attorney would bring this case. And I thought that they would remember jury nullification, the William Penn case, and go in there and say, wait a minute, we're not going to do that. We're not automatons. These people are in, have a constitutional right to a jury trial. This judge can't do that, but they did it because they're uneducated. And then I stood there and said, well, Your Honor, an attorney did bring this case to me. I'm standing in front of you. And as you're aware, you should be aware, I have two highly qualified expert attorney witnesses, one with over 200 trials to verdict and the other a former state bar prosecutor, and they support our case at every theory, at every turn. So there's three attorneys bring in to you. You don't know what you're talking about. So then he went after me for a sanctions of $165,000, and I had to hire an attorney to represent me, and it proved to me that he was not only corrupt, he was ignorant, because we go to the sanctions. What were the sanctions based on? Well, I don't know. We go to the sanction trial, and my attorney, he goes, are you ready? And my attorney goes, yes, we're ready. All right, begin. My attorney goes, well, Your Honor, there's a preliminary matter. What? What do you mean? You said you were ready. Well, we are, Your Honor. There's a preliminary matter. Well, you know this is a sanction hearing. Well, we know it's a sanction hearing, Your Honor, but we don't know what the charges are against Mr. Zerman. (laughs) And then the judge goes, you didn't ask him? And he goes, well, Your Honor, that's your job. He's not going to indict himself. (laughs) So so then he says, um, 
all right, I'll write him up. So he writes him up, and in the interim, we challenged him for demonstrated bias and prejudice and came back, same thing. Are you ready? My attorney goes, yes, we're ready, Your Honor. All right, begin. Your Honor, there's a preliminary matter. What? You said you were ready. We are, Your Honor, but there's a preliminary matter. All right, what is it? Well, Your Honor, we filed that challenge for, against you. Oh, you had to do that in the beginning. It's too late. Excuse me, Your Honor, it's not a peremptory challenge. It's a challenge for cause. We got him on the record saying, oh, maybe I better read that. Then he reads it, then denies it is untimely. He can't because 10 days had passed. He loses jurisdiction. But he proceeded to hold the hearing, and then he said that uh, he didn't award any sanctions, said that we were misguided and that uh, uh, you have to have both the case was frivolous and that it was brought in bad faith. And he said that it was frivolous, but we really believed in what we were doing, so it wasn't in bad faith. Now, when he had dismissed the case like that, the reporter came up to me and said, and I said, well, yes, we're going to appeal this, but I can't comment too much. My head's on the chopping block with this guy, and you've seen how he is, so I'm going to wait until after that. So I go back to them after uh, the sanction hearings are over, and they won't talk to me, won't write a story up. Hmm. I took part of that. I, you know, I appealed it and went because all the way to the ca- Pardon me? Why didn't they write a story? Prote- they protect the judges. The press protects the judges. And that's why in elections, people don't know who the judges are that are running. They don't do a good job. And then I, I took a part of that all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, because in California, we have a, a statutory scheme, Business and Professions Code 6108 at SEC. And the state bar is under the Supreme Court, and it's like that in most states. And it shouldn't be. It should be a, a totally independent consumer agency. Of course. And, and so in California, this Business and Professions Code 6108, you can file an original proceeding in the California Supreme Court as the conclusion of your bar complaint if you're dissatisfied. And what you're doing is re-alleging the allegations against the attorneys, but now saying that the bar was totally derelict or derelict to a large measure and didn't do handle your complaint correctly. Now, Business and Professions Code 6109 says upon receipt the court shall order the accused to answer and appear. And what happens is your, because I filed several of these, they just languish up there, and about 18 months later, you get two words back, petition denied, and you ended up playing solitaire. Nobody was ordered to appear or answer. So I took that to the U.S. Supreme Court, because when I filed that, I said, first of all, to the California Supreme Court, you can't hear this. Because when the legal malpractice case came up to you, you stuck your head in the sand and denied the petition. And before, and then I sued them in federal court, the trial judge, the appellate panel, and uh, the Supreme really? Court. And before I did that, I wrote them a letter called Black Robe Crime, a cover-up. And so I said, if you don't, uh, you have ratified this wrong, and if you don't rectify it in 15 days, I'm going to sue you in federal court. And that's, and, and then... relief. Pardon me? For what? Injunctive relief? No, to, re- to uh, reverse it and do something about the corruption. And uh, I, got threat- I, got, right? I, got, I got threatened there by the trial judge, and he said, that's enough, Mr. Zerman, if you know what's good for you. And <laughs> I said, well, Your Honor, the law is clear that the, at this stage of our proceedings, uh, our allegations are deemed true. So the attorney general's office should be investigating this instead of coming in here and defending these corrupt judges. And so yeah, that was something. And, and, I, 
And I ran out of energy and money, so didn't take it up. But I did take the verified accusation to the U.S. Supreme Court. And what I said is, one, they're systematic. They have the conflict of interest. And number two, that they're systematically ignoring a statutory scheme. Because I talked to a reporter who said he'd seen hundreds, hundreds of those up there, and many, many had merit, and he hadn't seen the court ever grant one of them or do anything with them. And then when I filed mine with the Supreme Court and another attorney filed the same thing on a different case, but the same issue. So you have two uh, attorneys from California a week apart filing the same petition in the U.S. Supreme Court saying that uh, the California Supreme Court is correct. In fact, my brief started out, has the rule of law collapsed in the state of California? A matter of great public interest and importance. And yet, and you can't, you, you, and yet you they can't still get, didn't hear the case. But you can't get the media to cover that. I went everywhere. Please, I spent hours. The media covered it, but it shouldn't be absolutely necessary. The Supreme Court justices should know that this is the case to be heard. But what is it true or false? What really happens is the, the goddamn clerks kill the case <laughs> before the uh, judges... Okay, well, Frank, Frank, if that's true, you know, the judges have to know that's going on. Somehow it, it gets to them or they can see what's going on. So, well, you know, <laughs> well, how could they not? How could they not? How could they not? I mean, if it's that corrupt, I mean, you're not paying attention. The law court that goes on all the time. But, but one, of the, one of the biggest problems is we have too much law. I mean, there's a real good book called The Litigation Explosion, What Happened When America Unleashed the Lawsuit. And we've made a lot of wrong turns in the law. There's better ways to resolve issues than just suing people all the time. But if you're going to um, go down that road, you know, maybe 80 out of 100 people are going to have to be attorneys to facilitate all that. And you're also going to have to expand the, the court system. But in fact, what's happening is they short shift your rights all the time. You've got an issue where all they do is uh, deny your appeal or deny your motion and don't even explain why they did it. it and they're completely it's wrong. fighting for in this state of Florida, otherwise known as the PCA. Uh, yeah, the procurium affirmation where they affirm without opinion, and if they don't make an opinion, nice trick, great trick. Because well, you, you can't take it to the state supreme court, and that's well, that that, that just so fundamentally. Can I finish? So therefore, what you have is a uh, deprivation of your constitutional due process rights, and that's the highest plane of law in the country and, and scrutiny yeah and but that's so what you're right wrong? what goes wrong by the way that's also a uh, element of fraud upon the court which i'm trying to exercise in my cases fraud upon well yeah it, it is and that's what happens but it's fundamentally wrong uh we've got three separate co-equal independent branches congress has the power of the purse the executive the power of the sword the judiciary has no power. They can't will anything. Their power lies in the truthfulness and persuasiveness of their uh, opinions, their rulings. So they have to explain them. Yeah. Justice so Breyer. They hide behind no opinion. Okay. And so then you. So we're fighting that. I, I, I'm taking that to the Florida 
legislature, by the way. Oh, okay, but what usually happens is you, you appeal it, and the appellate court will go with it. And, and instead of rectifying the wrong, uh, they'll ratify the wrong. And then the Supreme Court does the same thing. I had a case out here where we challenged a judge, and, and uh, she then has to file. That they ratify? That's not right. Pardon me? They have to rectify it. They ratify the wrong. They have to rectify the, the, the wrong, but instead they ratify it. They don't correct it. After the fact. They changed the law. To, to, and by the way, that happened in California, right? With uh, Richard Fine. I want to talk about Richard Fine when you have a chance. Okay, but, but let me go, go into this one challenge. So yeah. we challenged. Yeah, we'll go to a break after that. We'll go that point, sir. We'll go to a break. Sure. Uh, for the final half hour after that. Okay. okay. Remember that question, uh, Gary. Okay. Thanks. Richard Fine. Yeah. And, and so she filed an answer and, and, and committed perjury because she said that the court made findings in this domestic violence restraining order evidentiary hearing. And what had happened is the plaintiffs started to present their case. And then they had a break and continued it, and they never resumed the hearing. So they didn't finish their case. And my client never even got to start in his defense. And the court, therefore, made no findings. And findings is a term of art in the law. But under penalty of perjury said, and the court made findings. So she committed perjury. So we challenged her, and the judge hearing that, uh, we, so what happens, they're usually heard on the papers. And so anybody can deny anything where the rubber meets the road is in the rebuttal. So we filed supplemental right. rebuttal papers. And, yeah. and the judge hearing the case goes, oh, I can't find any authority that would allow me to hear, uh, to, to read these supplemental papers. Well, the judge's bench guide says because these matters are usually just uh, resolved on the papers and there's not an oral hearing, the court should allow liberal filing of supplemental papers. But even when he gives the supplemental papers, giving the authorities, you just plain ignore them. They're not okay, but you can't have something like that. So then we took a writ. And then the writ is denied. So, you, you, so, so look at what you have here. You have a, this trial judge commit perjury. We call her on it. It goes to a judge to hear it. And he says, oh, I can't look at those papers. And then we go up on writ and said, look at how bad the, the judge hearing the challenge is. He won't even read papers. And he, can't, he claims he, he, claims he can't. About that, but we, Gary wants to go to break. But we All need right, to look yeah, and uh, on that, you know, it's like, what's the point of going to court anymore? Why should we have to obey the laws and go to court and upon their summons and threaten to throw us in jail when they're breaking the laws and getting away with it to be used against us? That's bullshit. But uh, that being said, everyone, we're going to go to a break for about three and a half minutes. So, again, everyone, pack them and smoke them because you're still definitely going to need them in the interest of justice. <laughs> This is how I feel, all the memories I've lost, to be free from the ones who 
to be unreal But I'm closing my eyes To feel all in my heart Like a carousel And I ripped out the blinds To see clearly unknown This is what is left of me It's so constantly Constantly It's killing my heart How fitting, especially for uh, the logo uh, for our guest each week, as noticed. She's trying to pull the sword out of her chest that's buried so deep. You know, and, well, she certainly didn't put it there herself, uh, did she, Gary or Frank? (laughs) Well, I'm Gary Lazier, your host, in the interest of justice, in the interest of justice.us. So um, we're back with our guests and our co-host, Frank, and uh, also our co-producer out there, Angel Espino of Public Streaming Network. A big shout-out to him and uh, his time, and hopefully seeing the value in this show to put his time toward. Because, you know, he has a lot of shows out there that he could be uh, footing for and doing, you know, things for. So I, I appreciate, for, certainly, and on behalf of the listeners, his efforts 
and uh, keeping with the show and to help it grow because it's not about me. I'm the madman. I'm crazy. But in my opinion, and I'll ask you know Gary that too. Do I have a righteous anger? I'm an ignorant, and I'm nowhere to be at the level of intelligence or uh, scholastic ability to actually sit down with have real conversations. See, I'm uh, but Frank is somewhat in that level, and he got me interested in all this because in the interest of justice, believe me, I had some interest in some fucking justice, and there are some injustices going on, and I need help, but the only way to do that without spending thousands of dollars, the guys only screw you over anyway, you know, if you're lucky, they get you off or get you uh, what you are, you know, want redress of, I think that's a good term from what I learned on this show, just like you, the listeners, uh, that'll benefit us without having to spend thousands of dollars, and uh, we, obviously there's a problem with this system, there's a problem going on, that sword is, that's a death blow, she's on her knees, but look, notice she's still alive, she's still trying to balance those scales, but notice how it's weighing down, the scale is weighing down, what's what is it that's weighing down? The crime, the guilt, and all the things being done to destroy her, which is supposed to represent our Lady Liberty at the same time. Freedoms, Constitution, rights, uh, human rights. You know, I mean, do I have a righteous anger or am I just crazy, Gary? And hopefully you will be on again in the future, <laughs> sir. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone should be um, uh, upset when there's these manifest injustices that happen. Again, look what happened to George Zimmerman in Florida, and they almost, you know, they've set off race riots across the country, all based on a lie, and people's lives are, were, were, were killed. I mean, some people in these uh, riots, property was damaged. Uh, some people were wrongly incarcerated. Look what George Zimmerman went through, and all he was trying to do is protect his neighborhood. He was on a neighborhood watch program, and, and their complex had been uh, broken into a number of times. And you see a breakdown in society today, so people, you know, should start getting angry. Uh, the first duty of government is to protect us. And we see several times that they're not only prote not protecting our rights, they're wrongly abusing our rights. Yes. That's tyranny. And if you don't get upset with that, but what you have to do then is take that, that anger, that energy, educate right. yourself, empower yourself. Get involved and do constructive action that that holds these uh, SCO flaws and tyrants accountable. Again, do you think that's possible without bringing in the military? And you brought up a good thing, and here's the reality. They've been purging the military. They're commie shotting them up. People are dropping dead left and right. They're decimating our military. How is it going to be these militaries, a lot of trans testicles, Marxists, and people that are willing to fire on the American public, is which they really want, who will act on that order of these traitors, uh, how are we going to determine this military going to do the right thing. It doesn't make sense. I think that might have been where you might have been trying to go earlier. Or am I off base, sir? Well, I agree with you because the track record isn't that good. Look at Vietnam and the Pentagon Papers. They were lying to us there. Uh, go, go back. Did, did you ever hear of Francis Gary Powers? Yes. And the U-2 that was shot down? Yes. Well, Eisenhower, a guy that I have a lot of respect for, why would he lie to us? The, the Soviets said, you know, we've shot down one of your planes uh, flying over and, and photographing us. And why would Eisenhower go out and say, uh, deny that? Well, the Soviets knew they were, we were doing that. 
we knew we were doing that. Eisenhower knew we were doing that. And I'll tell you why, because probably they told Francis Gary Powers that there's a, uh, a delay on the switch to blow up the plane. So you hit that switch, and then you parachute out. Well, he didn't believe him. He, 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 he probably understood there was no delay. He hits that switch, he goes up with the plane. So he didn't hit that switch. He ejected, and they ended up getting the plane and getting him. But Eisenhower lied to us because the intelligence agencies told him, uh, you know, oh, there's a kill switch. He blew up the plane. But we cannot live on lies. Right. And that's all our government has been doing to us. Our government, look at, look at how fundamentally flawed it is. It's too big. It uh, has too many secrets. It engages in uh, uh, too much mischief and too many lies. And it, there's too little or no accountability. It's called um, uh, U.S. versus Reynolds. That's the state secrets privilege. It's a 1953 Supreme Court case out of uh, a possible deniability, right? Pardon me? You probably want to say plausible deniability. Well, that's what they come up with all the time, but that's another way for do we think we can get this bullshit by somebody? Yeah. Why is the government lying to us? But again, uh, the, the state secrets doctrine. Did you ever hear of Sibel Edmonds? She I wrote a book, book in 2012 called Classified uh, Woman. But anyway, they, they knocked her case out based on this U.S. versus Reynolds. It's a 1953 case. It's uh, 34 U.S. 1, 1953. And it's a fraud. Uh, what happened there is uh, this was after the, uh, the war, World War II, and they were doing some testing in these old bombers, and they had these RCA Victor employees on there, and the plane crashed. And uh, it crashed because they failed to maintain it. But they asserted, oh, there's secret stuff going on and state secrets privileges. And uh, later, they wouldn't release the accident report. And somehow it came out much later. And the family's trying to find out what happened. And so after they ruled the state secrets doctrine, the report comes out. And there was no secrets there. They had failed to maintain it. And that's the way government rules or operates. They'll come up with one excuse after another to, to get out of stuff instead of telling the people the truth and living up to their responsibilities. Now, they use that in Sabelle Edmonds' case. And Sabelle Edmonds grew up in Iran. Her father was a doctor there under the Shah, and they had to flee. And so she had several of these languages, came to the U.S., married an American, went to school, and became a good American. She gets called after 9-11 if she'd come in and be an interpreter or translator for the FBI. She goes, goes in there and starts to help him out, and she can't believe the degree of nepotism, the degree of uh, uh, slovenliness and dereliction. And then she even finds out that uh, the FBI has employed some of the employees of people that they have targeted and that they're mistranslating things. And she brings that to the attention of her superiors, and they go, wow, you're really sharp. That's good. You know, uh, good job, good job, and we'll let you know what happens. She keeps checking, and nothing happens. Keeps checking, nothing happens. And then she becomes a whistleblower, and she tries to, you know, correct, uh, rectify the wrong. And, in fact, they end up, end, end up going after her and her husband, 
And uh, then they throw her case out. It went all the way to the Supreme Court, but threw it out on state secrets privilege. There's a lot of problems going on in the FBI, and they're not going to be rectified because of states, bogus state secrets privilege. Now, let's go back to Richard Fine. You had some questions, Frank? Well, yeah. I mean, it's an example of a retroactive uh, law that uh, that legislature tried to create. Well, I'll explain that if you want what happened. But just in a nutshell for the audience, Richard Fine exposed that the uh, the judges statewide in California were were being paid a second salary. Did I get that correct? And well, what, what, what would happen? Counties by the counties, and then the other fact is that uh, no one ever won a case against the counties. Because they, right. they, they okay. So that, yeah, let me that's ex- total injustice. Go ahead. Yeah, let, let me explain it. What, what had happened is L.A. County and several other counties, I don't think it's across the state, but they were giving double benefits to the judges. And there were two advisory attorney general opinions that said you can't do that. That's illegal. It's unconstitutional. And so they fought it. And so all of the L.A. Uh, the case was brought in L.A. Uh, judicial Watch came in. It was called Sturgeon versus L.A. County Superior Court, I think. So all of the L.A. County judges recused themselves. And for some reason, the judge that heard it was an appellate judge down in San Diego. They reversed and said they could do it. Then uh, it was taken to an appellate court, three panel, and they uh, said, no, this is wrong, unconstitutional. And then it was taken to the Supreme Court. They denied hearing, so that three-judge panel uh, ruling that it was unconstitutional is the law. Yeah. Well, what happened there, this is well, while we're in the mortgage meltdown, and you can't have any emergency bills. They've got to take care of business up there in Sacramento. Well, they slip in, I think it was XB, State uh, Bill 211. They squirrel it in there, and before he could blink, both houses almost unanimously voted uh, on this, and Schwarzenegger signed it before you could blink. It's a retroactive law that... Well, I was going to explain that, yeah. ...from breaking the law. Well, they gave them retroactive immunity and then said they could continue to do that in the future. So the translation is, there's no checks and balances. Well, hold it, hold it. It's not over till it's over because Richard Fine is back. And he's well, still well trying, then... He's still trying to rectify it. But let's not forget, tell the audience, he was thrown in jail for contempt of the court huh. on a trumped-up contempt charge by a corrupt judge who, by the way, was later fired, that judge. Well, yeah. you want to talk about that? Yeah, and they kept him in solitary confinement, and uh, there was a lot of ju- for about a year and a half, and I forget the oh, judge's but- name. I had run into him earlier, and I, I could testify that he's corrupt, but that's the way it works. And then the other thing is Richard would assert that any time that uh, – you were suing the county. Well, the judges had a conflict of interest, and they do because L.A. County is their benefactor. They're yeah, but giving them... nobody ever won a case against the county. I mean, well, that's, right. the that's, that's, that's the law. That's the law. That's the conflict, and then they ignored that, and then they were ruling in favor of the county. And so right. it's a corrupt system. There's no checks and balances. Tyranny. And the, 
the people get the shaft. And so, yeah, uh, Gary asked earlier, should you be mad? Hell yes. This, this is tyranny. This is corruption. It's tyranny. Uh, have you guys ever heard of Operation Greylord? Yes, of course. And we had, okay. we had Operation Corkroom in Florida. Don't forget that. Okay. Well, Operation Greylord was a federal sting operation in the court against the judges in, Cook County, after him. in Cook County, Illinois, which is Chicago. And 15 judges ended up going to prison, about 20 or 30 court personnel and about 40 attorneys. And out of that, there's an amazing case called U.S. versus Maloney. And Maloney was a criminal defense attorney for the mob, and he was one of the guys bribing the judges. And he said, well, this is a pretty good deal, but it would be better if I'm on the other side and I'm getting the bribes. And so he became a judge, um, <laughs> and he was taking bribes, and he was accused of fixing murder cases. Oh, and well, there's a, a case called Gramercy versus something. It's a U.S. court case where the criminal defendant guy was convicted, and he said, well, because he's fixing all these cases, you know, so he doesn't draw attention against them, he's got a wrongfully convicted Vic people, so he's got some numbers in the other column. And the Supreme Court well, said, well, that, that's, a vi that's a viable theory, and we're going to let you do discovery on that. But Maloney was convicted, uh, has the dubious distinction of being the only judge in America, or maybe, not maybe America, but at least in Illinois, convicted of fixing murder trials. Wow. Letting a uh, bad guy, you know, taking a bribe and uh, gaming or tricking the case so a guilty person gets off. In your opinion, sir, I think out of all the states of our constitutional union, republic, uh, how many, how, how, all right, on a scale of one to 100, uh, considering them all together, how many do you think are part of the problem that needs to be I'd say all of them. I think this goes, I mean, after you study Operation Greylord, you come to the conclusion like, geez. This probably going on in every courthouse. Why wouldn't it? So why aren't there more Operation Greylords? We had a similar exactly. one down in San Diego, and uh, the U.S. attorney wanted to go after 20 judges, but Janet Reno wouldn't allow them, and they went after three of them. But huh. and, and and three. One, of the, one of the attorneys said, uh, geez, you know, uh, we didn't think that happened here. We're not like L.A., because L.A. is really bad. But it's everywhere. And even in the small, smaller places, I mean, sometimes, you know, you have company towns where some rich guy runs the whole town. So you have it in small areas, large areas. But the, the issue is you always have to have independent oversight and you're, it's always about integrity, integrity of the system. And you have to have, uh, you know, a process that allows integrity to always be the main factor. But here you have this uh, judge from Michigan <laughs> writing judicial deceit, tyranny, and unnecessary secret at the Michigan Supreme Court. She's the former chief justice. You going to believe her? Then you've got uh, Sidney Powell's book uh, called uh, License to Lie, Exposing Corruption in the Department of Justice. And we've seen things that Ted Stevens was wrongfully convicted. He was the senator from Alaska, and that allowed the Democrats, they targeted him so they could get the 51st vote in the Senate. That's why they took him out. 
And then nothing happened to those prosecutors. And then this guy, Andrew Weissman, on the Mueller team, he, he, he's been a snake for years. And he was one of the ones that was called out for uh, Enron. And yet Mueller picked him. In fact, a lot of those guys, the prosecutors had dubious pasts, and nothing, you know, happened to them. They're they're out there to go and wrongfully convict somebody else. Department of Justice. It's the Department of Injustice. Indeed. And the thing about, again, tyranny. The Second Amendment, you know, wasn't designed to protect our right to hunt deer, but it protects us our right to hunt tyrants. Well, and back where we started with Jefferson's that you've got to shed the blood, the, you know, water, the Liberty tree with the blood of both uh, Patriot and tyrant alike. And one of the biggest fears in the second amendment is there to protect us against our own government. Exactly. That that's why it was written. All right. Back to Richard fine. So what's he doing today in pursuit of, of fixing that retroactive law that, legislature put in well i don't know maybe maybe you have uh, more information on that than i do i haven't talked to richard for quite a while um but he's back right he's 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 still he's still doing the good fight i think so yeah but uh our jail for judges has kind of just fallen apart ron branson has passed away oh wait i'm not sure i'm not certain he passed away but i know that he had had a stroke and that was a number of, number of years ago, and uh, he was his wife had died, and he was really upset with that. And Ron was, you know, kind of kind of slipping, and he's up there in age. So I just well, we should try that referendum idea or the initiative idea again and and again well, and again. Well, well, succeed. well, Frank, there was a guy out here called Jesse Unruh. He was, I think, uh, speaker of the assembly, and he said that uh, the mother's milk of politics is money. And, like, we never got it on the ballot. We started it here in California because you have to hire paid signatures, and we could never get a sponsor. We did get a sponsor in South Dakota, and they had the initiative process. Our sponsor was a guy by the name of Bill Stegmeyer, and uh, he funded, largely funded that operation. We did get some donations, but he largely funded it. And South Dakota was a smaller state, so we needed fewer signatures. Right. But we think that they gamed and tricked, tricked what happened there. Because the initiative will release more criminals into the streets. Isn't that what they said? All that and, and, and every other thing. They painted us as black. It's made it black, up. Black Bart and uh, the, the media joined in. And one thing that was just astounding is that once we got qualified on the ballot, the chief justice of their Supreme Court led a, a rally to raise a million dollars to defeat uh, Amendment E, well, well, the, chief, the, the Chief Justice can't do that. I mean, he's, you know... He, he should be, just, he should be uh, impeached right away for that, but, of course, nothing happens. I mean, well, that's... They never, they, that's they, they never impeach him. Right? That's in, that's in the canon. Judicial yeah. canon. But right? see, what's happened is when you... These districts grow when you don't increase your representatives... Uh, like the state that has the best representation is New Hampshire. They've got about a million people, and they've got 400 members in their house, so one rep for every 4,000 people. And you you take a small amount of money, prop it down, enter the race, get uh, 2,001 signatures, and you're on the ballot. 
And so the, the lower house has to have the, these small ratios in accessibility. And again, like our, our, our uh, assembly districts here in California are one rep for over 500,000 people. And they do a good job of balancing out the, the 500, but nobody has representation. And so there's a special commission that the legislature turned that over to, and they draw the districts every year. But what they're doing is like taking a turd and polishing it and putting a ribbon on it because nobody has representation at that level. It's an oligarchy, and they don't listen for the will of the people. They don't care about the will of the people, and it's all about party politics and power. All right. So again, that is of the referendum and the initiative. I'm going to try it here in the state of Florida concerning the per curiam affirmation uh, being uh, depriving parties of of a due process. Even the American Bar Association and lawyers thereof protest against uh, uh, the fact that judges can can deny a case without an opinion. Okay. Well, it, it, it's a very good cause, and I encourage I encourage you to do it. But at the same time, they've got a lot of money. They've got to hire the people to defeat you, and they'll come after you, and they can slander you because the law of defamation with New York Times versus Sullivan has been turned on its head. And uh, you know our politics is on a case to case basis. Yeah. All right. So at any rate, um, uh, you know, I'm going certainly going to test it here in this state. I already have a representative that will support me. Now I need somebody from the state Senate. And but then I could go another avenue, which is have an initiative or a referendum. I have to find out what it takes to do that. Maybe you can tell well, me. You've got to drop the language of your proposed uh, referendum or initiative, and then you, you've got to determine how many signatures you're going to get, valid signatures. We just had one out here with a recall, uh, this Gascon, who's just horrible. He's one of the Soros-sponsored prosecutors. It's the second time they attempted to recall him. And uh, the first one, they didn't get enough signatures. The second one, they got more than enough, but they said they, didn't, they weren't valid. And as Stalin said, it's not who gets the vote, it's who counts the votes. Counts and the vote. we don't trust them. I don't trust anything in government anymore. Yeah, and that's dangerous. That, I mean, you should always have a healthy uh, dose of skepticism. The founding fathers did. The founding fathers said that power is usually going to be abused. That's why you want to have a limited government. As it grows, they have more opportunity to be corrupt. Frank brought up a good point, uh, like he was saying, and I, I see where he's coming from, but Frank, like, well, we'll just keep doing it again and again, putting it again and again, but is, but at the same time, and not to be insulting, but it is true, the uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over over again and expecting right. a different But Gary had, Gary, Gary had uh, some of the answer, money, okay? You need money to do such things. So I'm looking at humanitarian funds coming our way. To well, that's what you need, but it, but it seems like all these bad causes have a lot of money, like Soros and Black Lives Matter that was yeah. a Marxist organization. And you have these corporations, you know, that I don't know, they're cowards or they don't like America, but they seem to fund all this crazy stuff, these things that are anti-American. 
They have no trouble getting money. Okay. Well, I think that uh, there may be some money coming in the way of law reform. I'll just leave it at that. Well, All right. Good- and I wish you well. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll be calling you and see what we can do. <laughs> All right. So at any rate, you know, I've, I've been at this for over 30 years. How, how long have you been at it, Gary? About the same. You know, that's when I had that legal malpractice case, that's when I got my uh, real legal education. I had my lunch handed to me. And you've seen some of the papers I've written. Uh, most lawyers are ignorant of all this. They don't teach it to you in law school. And oh. That one paper I, I, I wrote, I cite uh, uh, several books about the Supreme Court. And the first thing I do is go to the index and the glossary to see if immunity or judicial immunity is there. And it's not there. They don't talk no. about it. No. And well, let me go back to that. Wait, let me go back to that for a second. Is that this yeah. doctrine of absolute judicial immunity is unconstitutional? It's not in the Constitution. There's always the exception in every of those, every one of those cases that say judges have absolute immunity. They always label the exception, and the exception is except when judges are absent, uh, all jurisdiction. And so, well, I'm saying, okay, we can talk about the history of this thing and how the U.S. Supreme Court in the Stump case ruled that judges have immunity even for malicious acts. But in my case, I'm going a step further, okay? First of all, I define jurisdiction as the legal, legal power to act. And then I bring up the second point. Criminal activity is not a legal power to act. Okay, but but see, you're, you're making some assumptions. Where is the power for it? It's not in the Constitution. And wait, wait, none of the cases ever cite any. Go to Article 3. It's not there. It's not in Article 1 or Article 2. In fact, there's some indirect prohibitions in Article 1, and I'm paraphrasing here, Sections 9 and 10. uh, Neither the state nor uh, uh, the federal government shall grant titles of nobility, and that's where right. immunity comes from. Now, the other thing is the opinions, we start out with uh, Randall versus Brigham in 1868. Uh, they, uh, Justice Field is the author of this. He says, oh, we take this from long-established English common law, and right. that there are exceptions for malicious and corrupt acts. Right. Only four years later, he writes a case called Bradley versus Fisher, and that was uh, the trial of the son, I think his name is John Surratt, the son of Mary Surratt, that was hung in the military tribunal with three other men uh, for the, the assassination of uh, Lincoln. The son had gotten away and went to Canada, then got over to Europe, and they caught him in Egypt and brought him back, and some of the Fuhrer had died down over the assassination, and uh, Attorney Bradley was successful in getting a hung jury. And then Judge Bradley, unilaterally, without any basis, was pissed and and struck his name from the attorney rolls, essentially disbarred him. Then there's a case in Ray Bradley, and because it's in D.C., it readily goes up to the Supreme Court. He got his law license back. Then Bradley versus Fisher, he sued for damages while he didn't have his license. And that's well, Field writes that case, and that was clearly a malicious act, and yet he got rid of the exceptions without explanation. So that's more bullshit. And these, these things then like are a rolling snowball and gather weight 
and they're, they're just accepted. Okay. When you go Let's go back, bring go it up back in time, the Roe versus Wade was repealed, right? Well, it was judicially overturned. Overturned. Okay. And said why? Because it's not in the Constitution. Take it from there. Correct. Okay. Uh, over 80% of the people, the scholars at the time said Roe versus Wade was wrongly denied because the federal constitution does not speak about uh, abortion, and they had no basis or authority, and it was very dubious. In fact, f fictional. They said this comes from the emanations and the permutations. Well, you got to have something more than that because otherwise they're just making it up, and they were making it up. Exactly. And, uh, what that did was launch this battle in the Supreme Court now, and even Ginsburg came around and said, well, maybe we got it wrong because we started this war in the court and just destroyed a, a lot of the law and respect for the law. But she said maybe we got it wrong and we should have left it to the legislatures. Well, that's what the Dobbs decision does. It said that Roe versus Wade was uh, without constitutional basis. It was wrongly decided, and the matter goes back to the states. And so the state uh, legislatures can do what they want on that. To, okay, so now we, can, we have a new day on judicial immunity. That why? Why do you say that? Because it wasn't, you said it. There's no uh, labeling of about judicial immunity in the Constitution. Well, but, you know, you've got to get uh, a movement behind that. I mean, most of uh, the lawyers and... You have a case that makes the challenge, right? I'm sorry, repeat that? You have to make a case that makes the challenge and makes it all the way up to the Supreme Court. Well, if it would get there, I mean, you know, I, I've seen so many attempts that just get thwarted along the way and you spend a lot of time and money. And, yeah, they need to be made. These challenges need to be made. Uh, it's amazing to me how crazy the left is. And they always get funding and they can fund these cases left and right for, for crazy stuff. From enemies. And that should be prevented and disallowed as well and stopped. Yeah, follow the money. It's the cabal is fi financing it. Well, like with Roe versus Roe versus Wade, uh, I forget the lady's name who was uh, Roe, but she said her attorney kind of misled her and lied to her in bringing that case. Yeah, she's completely against abortions now. Yeah. So they don't tell you that. So there's a lot of these cases that, you know, get up into the courts and stuff because they're kind of driven by other people, but they need a plaintiff, they need standing. And there's a lot of maneuvering that goes on, and then, and then, uh, you know, the the, the 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 media has totally abdicated in uh, their job. Their job is to truthfully report things for the public, so the public can understand and make informed decisions. But they're just lying anymore, and they're, they're agenda driven, and their agenda is not the truth. Well, we have social media, and that's making the difference. Do you want to talk about the case that you have going right now that you expect a ruling on your birthday, which is shortly? Tomorrow? Oh, not really. I mean, I'll, I'll wait, wait until the... Pardon me? Your, your birthday's tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Oh, happy birthday, sir. And uh, thank you, know, uh, happy birthday. And mine's coming up on the 10th. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, and I wish you happy birthday also. But, yeah, uh, it was supposed to be like a... Uh, six-day trial, and we ended up 21 days, 
and it's a judge trial. Just think if it would have been a jury trial, it would have been even longer. And, you know, that brings up that one thing in L.A. that's really uh, unbelievable anymore. We used to have uh, in the, the, the court would provide court reporters. That was a, a official county position, and the reporter was there, and it was county employee. They don't have reporters there anymore in the civil cases. They do in juvenile and family law and, I think, criminal. But they don't have them anymore. And I've had hearings where you go down where you have multiple parties. And one thing that's really bad in the law is lawyers don't talk anymore. They don't trust each other. Everything's done, you know, on email or text. So there's a written record because nobody trusts each other. So you don't talk. You don't trust and so you'll show up, and there's like five different reporters there. Everybody got their own, and then you'll agree on which one's going to do it and split the fees or something. But there's one thing that our tax money should go to, and I'm against you know taxes most of the time because you know as government grows, government wastes. But our tax money should go for an honest court system, and it's not doing that. Yeah, I mean, your, your rights are being short shrifted uh, every time you your head's back in a flurry, snapping left and right, because you just see that your rights are being short shrifted. Again, I brought up an idea before we went to. Uh, what is your opinion on that? Why should we listen and obey to the courts and show up uh, from us breaking the law or regardless and of innocence or guilt and. They're breaking the law, and we have to abide by their dictates. Tyranny! Well, and, you know, every one of these instances need to be pushed and driven, but there'll come a time when you're living in this sea of hypocrisy or mendacity where, you know, there was never a revolution that probably wasn't called for. I mean, people will have enough. You hate to see it go that way, but, but you know, how many times are you going to allow them to free, feed you a crap sandwich and tell you to eat it? And right. Literally, literally now. Literally now. You're not misspeaking because they want us eating Z-Bugs. Well, I could go on forever with example after example where the wrong thing occurs and people try to right it and it's not righted. They ratify the wrong. And... You, you, you know, one big problem is that these pensions uh, and benefit programs that government employees have, cities, counties, states, federal government, we can't pay, pay this anymore. We don't have the money. And at some time, we're going to run out of money. We did that a long time ago, and we're operating on ether now. That's horrible. That's horrible. Things and see, again, the Federal Reserve, you know, how did we allow that? I mean... We're thirty trillion dollars in debt. Yeah, you had to well, work hard and long. That's a whole other discussion. I think we're about to see a, a new day in, in world finance, but let's not go there today. Okay, but, but the only thing I would bring up is how did we allow that to happen? I mean, you know, nobody's watching the store, and that's when the money. It, you said it. When the money runs out, that's it. There is no money. Okay, but. But they were able to hold it in front of to write up a more deficit. Well, that's not going to play anymore. Okay, so a new money system is coming in, but that's a discussion for another day. Well, let's like, hope so because, like, Biden just passed. Gary, I hope we can get you on more shows because you're just a fascinating person. 
to be very to be. knowledgeable. And again, uh, it's an honor to have you on here, especially for your birthday. And yes, he deserves the long-winded introductions. That's who. Well, he thank is. you. But I, I, I'm a simple guy. Uh, the The best man I ever saw was my dad. He was hardworking and honest, and that's why I got into the law. And then look what happened to me. I well, haven't been up over, in court. It's over, right, Gary? I think we have. Uh, we have things to do, okay? We're on a mission from God, okay? And <laughs> okay, if, yeah. if God is is uh, grateful for, for the mission, uh, he's going to provide us with cash. To, well, to, yeah, I need a little I need a little help from him. He hasn't been there in the past with the, the, the funding. This way, I'm involved in things that might bring the cash. I'll just say might. Persevere. Let me tell you. I don't need... Cash for myself. I need the cash to to to, be, to better the world and the repair. Let me tell your guest about a tremendous resource. It's called the Center for Judicial Accountability. It's out okay. of New York. It's run by the Sassauer family. Right. The web address is judgewatch.org. Judgewatch, you know, one word. Dot org and the yeah. Sassauer family has funded that and driven it and they've taken uh, tremendous abuse. Uh, yes. The dad George Sassauer was kind of a firebrand, a great lawyer and a fighter, and he was uh, disbarred. And the mother was more demure and more credentialed. She had clerked for the uh, Chief Justice of the New Jersey Supreme Court. And she was going to attend a hearing against the New York Commission on Judicial Conduct, and they indefinitely suspended her, which is illegal because you have to have a term, a set term. And so Elena, who's not a lawyer, has taken it over, and she does tremendous great scholarship. In fact, she ended up being brought up on a wrongful, bogus charge of disruption of Congress. Right. She was a attempting to testify in a public Senate Judiciary confirmation hearing. And she sat there patiently, and at the she end, one sentence, and that was it. And Hillary Clinton was was wanting to get her for that. Oh, and they did, yeah. And she stood up, and as there was one senator there, Saxby Chambliss, and he he and the judge Richard Wesley, they had attempted to stop him from getting on the New York Court of Appeals, which is their highest court. And he got on there, and they took uh, all of their material and gave it to Schumer and Clinton because he's from that state, and said he this man's corrupt. So at the hearing, she stood up as Saxby Chambliss is gambling it to a conclusion. He had just been talking to Wesley, asking these just insignificant questions and talking about taking pictures with each other. So she stood up and said 23 words. Mr. Chairman, can I testify about uh, the corruption of Judge Wesley on the New York Court of Appeals? And immediately she was handcuffed. Chambliss didn't say anything. She couldn't disrupt anything. The hearing was over, and uh, they ended up holding a trial. She found out that the Senate Judiciary Committee said that they don't allow witnesses other than the nominee and Senate staff. So imagine that. They're excluding the public from their own hearing. That's unbelievable. And these are all backroom broker deals. Elena Sassauer, I interviewed her, and we were working together for that big uh, shindig concerning the Conduct and Disability Act of 1980 review of judges judging judges. And I managed to testify in front of that committee the first time ever. 
and I managed to bring cameras into that hearing. They tried to stop me, and I said, all hell will break loose if you stop me from bringing cameras. I was the first person in history to get cameras in a federal courtroom. And mind you, this is one of the most uh, corrupt federal courtrooms in the nation in Brooklyn, okay? And I, and I, and you can find that interview online. But, but Frank, wh- wh- why does the government that's supposed to represent and serve us not want cameras in there? Because they're covering they're something up. What I said was, it's not a case. So you have no grounds to refuse me the cameras. It's a public hearing, and I'm bringing cameras in, or all hell is going to break loose. Okay. So why are they afraid of scrutiny? Right you know? The clerk said, there's no way on this planet you're going to bring cameras into the courtroom. And I said, listen to me and listen to me good. I'm bringing cameras into the courtroom or all hell is going to break loose. And so the clerk is like sh- shaking in her chair, right? Who are you? Who are you? And I said, I'm simply a, 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 a citizen. journalist and I want to cover this event and the people want to know. And so uh, just let me tell you a nutshell. What happened when I testified at the at the uh, at that hearing? Okay, I, I'm just gonna go to the finer point. Uh, I said that uh, you know basically uh, judges should be judging judges, and uh, you know the court has to uh, you know t- take this issue up. And he says. Judge Winter says, oh, you're in the wrong venue. You really should be working with legislature. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, you may be right, but you're in the wrong venue. It's all on camera, right? <laughs> and, and, and so, so then I said, I just happened by coincidence, gotten the latest report. I can't remember the name of the commission, but it was a certain commission uh, for, for interbranch um uh, you know, judicial undertakings. Uh-huh. And in that report, it said, I'll look it up for you if you want. In that report, it said that both the judiciary and the legislature must work together to form the rules. And, and Judge Winters is like there, his, his jaw just dropped. Okay, because the, the report just came out and he, and he couldn't say anything. He couldn't rebut anything. Uh, you know, to what I just said. So that was really a, one, one of a great moment. And of course, the whole audience uh, that was sitting, you know, behind the the uh, the bar uh, cheered for me. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, this is this is my moment." Just like uh, Elena Sasshauer, I I urge everybody to to uh, put put her name into YouTube and her latest undertaking, where there were like a hundred people. Uh, attending this uh, commission meeting on ju- on judicial reform in New York, and uh, they tried to silence her, and the whole audience stood up, objecting, saying, "Give her, get, you know, because they, what they do is like you've run out of time, uh, Miss Sassauer. You can't no, speak anymore." <laughs> and the whole the whole audience stood up and were shaking their fists. You listen to her, or else. It was one of her great moments. But look at how hard this work is, and, and look at how many times the government that's supposed to represent and serve us just throttles us. They they don't want to have scrutiny because they know they're doing wrong things. So we have to they should be open to this side. stuff. And we We're have supposed to, to have open government. I know. The government is by the consent of the people. 
That works. Um, a lot of information. A lot of information is coming out on this show today, and, and uh, Mr. Gary Zerman's knowledge and experience. And can anyone disprove of anything that he says? I mean, look, it, it, it's. <laughs> this is what he sees, and he studied the law. You know, caring and the passion for truth and being part of the lawyer, and that sounds nothing but uh, commendable. He's obviously not in it just for the money, or he wouldn't be saying the things he's saying. And uh, that's the problem: the money and the corruption and the tyranny that goes along with it that was seeded for decades. That's what we're up against. Well, and some of this stuff is coming out with Trump. You see you know, they're being caught in the dastardly deeds they did, and it's full of lies and corruption. And hopefully these people will come to account because they have really done injustices and tyranny to the, the people. They interfered and affected that last election, and yet they're trying to blame Trump and holding this bogus one-sided January 6th hearing. Which is There's the no model that you want to make for all of us. Yeah, the show trial. Yep. Therefore, people like you and others, uh, it, it's going to be out the window. There's going to be no more representation at all. That's the model it's going to be. And no, you can't pre present a defense. You can't be, uh, you know, have your due process. None of that. It's according to obviously our enemies. That makes an enemy. The tyrant is not our friend. Correct. What correct. else is it? And their bag of tricks is big, and uh, more and more they're resorting to trickery as opposed to due process, the law, honesty, integrity. And therefore, obeying them, now I'm not saying everyone should go out and do this, but I think maybe they should. You get a court summons, don't appear. You got a charge and you're supposed to show up in court, don't appear. What, what the hell are they going to do? They're going to send the army after you. They're going to come after you with weapons and force you and then bring you in and make your life more of a hell for crimes of what? what I, just saw, I, just saw, I, I just saw somewhere in one of the major cities, uh, the merchants are saying, we're not going to pay our taxes because look at our streets. You know, the homeless and uh, these rebels and rabble-rousers and criminals have taken over the streets. Your first duty is to protect us. Why should we pay uh, our taxes when you're not protecting us? Ah, uh, so that's why they uh, they hired 80-something thousand with armed guns to go and uh, be street thugs and come in and put the gun to people's heads that's not paying their taxes, shut their businesses down, threaten them, beat them. This well, that's the police state. Right on that. I, I'm, I'm sorry to say I, I have to get going. But, um, I mean, you can, you can continue on, but I, yeah. but I have a conference call. So well, uh, We're at the close, and, uh, you know, I'm, I just think with final, any final points or anything that you would like to get out that you didn't, sir, and will you be back on again at some point? Well, the only thing I'd say is, you know, freedom isn't free. And as Justice Brandeis said, the most important political office is private citizen. And if you aren't active and seeing what's happening in your life, who's representing you, that's going to be filled, that vacuum, with people that don't have your interest. And hence the conditions we're in now today. I mean, they'll take it and run and abuse you left and right, and you'll wake up and wonder what the hell happened. Yes, sir. And will you be back on again in the future? Sure. Yeah, I'll come back. All right. And thank, thank you for having me. Thank you oh, so yes. much, Gary, for coming. You're welcome. You're have a good day, gentlemen. Right. Have, have a good day. day. And thank you for doing this. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Bye. So that's incredible. I'm, I found that judgewatch.org. I will put that on the archive page for people to hit on uh, who are interested in that. So, Frank, wow, what a lot of information coming out. And everything's still, again, you know, pointing to tyranny. These guys are tyrants. And a lot of things coming out of their mouths, Frank. I mean, yeah. do you know how rare it is to find a lawyer who fights the good fight like that? It's so rare. He's like, one percent of one percent. Believe well, we get all the lawyers are scum. Hopefully, we can get more like him on the show uh, to keep the show yeah, going. We're, okay. we're going to get Richard Fine on the show. So they're the two mavericks who have been put themselves out there. So I want to tell the audience we're going to have the best of the best, and next week will be Laser Hoss, and uh, he makes the good fight. And boy, does he have a story. So uh, until then. All right, Frank, thank you very much. And we'll talk soon, brother. And I'm, I'm praying and have faith and remember where to give praise when it happens. All right. Uh, so I guess you got a jet. But everyone else out there, think about it. I just want to let you all know something. I mean, you look. I'm mad. I'm crazy. I'll listen to that white supremacist, domestic, bigot, racist, patriot out there. You know, oh, yeah, you know, he's just a this, he's just a that. Yeah, everyone's going to believe him when more and more like me are coming out and all they got to do is grow some balls and speak up. You don't have to know about the law. We need to learn about the law now. I mean, listen to what all he said. If we had even quarter of those knowledges by our presence in court, our differences and uh, our cases may turn out a lot different, no? But no, you got to pay uh, cult practitioners to a blood bar, okay? And and, and that's overruled and, and infiltrated and usurped from the Constitution and from the constitutionalists, which means you. How much and how many times must we continue to listen to them, to obey them? We're ready, enemies! People, wake up! Our replacements are coming through the border who do not mind having the boot on their neck to live. They're getting free shit. What free shit? Well, they're trying to kill us off. Your homes are going to be theirs. Your daughters are going to be theirs. Your babies are going to be theirs. And that's another thing. Abortion. Why do you think it's such a... They don't care. They don't give a shit. It's not about women's rights. It's about their industry of harvesting. Do you get it? And also other satanic practices. But of harvesting. Costs thousands of dollars. They get thousands of dollars. It's a big industry out there. Project Veritas has shown that as well as others. By their own admissions. That's what it's really about. And it goes even deeper to what we're told. Wait for this great plan. This great storm to occur. Well, I have a feeling, you know, it ain't just going to be for the government. It's going to be sitting in the house enjoying a show. You have to get up and act. You have to be part of this movie. And the way that it's going, I think, look, I'm coming, look, coming from a mad position. Okay, fine. But everything you heard from what he had to say, Gary, and also what Frank's describing, that's tyranny. There's no fighting them again and again and again and again to bring these motions. Yeah, it's funny. It's comical, but yes, it's very excruciating, and it's also the definition of insanity. We are not insane. They want us to be insane. They want to make us insane, and they're successfully doing it with a portion of this nation. We're only going to add to the foot soldiers coming through our border to replace us, 
and join the riots that they have set up to create a civil war to destroy our country. We need to unite. Black, white, it don't matter. We all have things in common. Our families, economies, they're destroying it. We need a people's funding of money. So when and if something does happen, whether peacefully or otherwise, we have to have a fast transition because, look, they want us eat and see bugs, and the factories are being burned down. There's things being done to prevent food from coming to you. We cannot let that happen. At some point, we have to act. And if with those hearing me that thinking, oh, yeah, you're speaking, uh, you know, inciting violence, you're fucking a right. Let me say something. The Second Amendment is our last defense against tyranny. That's why they hate it. They hate the Constitution, mainly for that fact alone. The right to keep and bear arms is a doomsday provision. Isn't this not looking like doomsday? Wake up. To be used as a last resort when all other rights fail. Doing it over and over again in the court, the rights have failed. The founders saw firearm ownership as so necessary that they enumerated this right second in the Bill of Rights immediately after defining the right to free speech. But the federal government refuses to recognize the true purpose of our right to keep and bear arms. Why is that? The government that's supposed to be representative of the we, the people, of the Constitution, subverting and disregarding of what the federal government is supposed to be and do. Remember, it's we, the people. Gary brought up a very good point. It's not we, the government. This ain't commie China or any other shithole nation. Once our Constitution falls... You people aren't, you're not even going to survive. You're not in their plan. Their replacements are. They don't, They have to get rid of everyone who even has a definition of the fucking meaning of freedom. They're not going to let you live. They know they're not going to conform. They have to put a bullet in the back of your head. Or make your own neighbors do that to you. To soften us up before they come in invading, red dawning our ass. It's not a joke. It's a reality that could happen. Trust the military. They're being, look what's being done to them. You have one bitch out there. Kelly's getting too heavy for me. Get off the field. Put her somewhere else. Oh, what's the matter? You don't have enough men with balls anymore. You're against that. You want to put them in red high heels, walking or marching around. We're going to take this country back one way or another. You want to come knock on my fucking door, come right ahead. Because then I'll be a martyr for the movement of what will happen here in the U.S. With or without President Trump. We cannot leave it to one individual to save us all when it's all, we're all involved. We're all in it. We all have stake. We have all paid. And we are all exceptional because, yes, we are exceptional because we are a citizenry of a constitutional republic that grants us these God-given rights. Again, founded upon the principles of the Ten Commandments, which is important. Yet they're going to let you take that down from schools and the public places and now you're allowing the fucking Baphomet, goat, goat of Chimera.
with its two fingers up or three, whatever the hell it is, and children around them, and that, and you're allowing those practices and rights to be put forth to schools? Just last week, I wish I had the article. If I find it, I'll put it on the archive page. It's a sick, and we will fight it. You want to call us <laughs> racist, terrorists. You haven't seen shit yet. You are the racist and the terrorists. And we're not going to take it. Lady Justice needs help pulling that sword out of her chest. She's down on her knees, but she's still holding that scale, which means it can still be balanced. Or will she fall off her pedestal? I just don't know really what to say. This show is just continue, going to continue on as wherever and however it goes. I'm not going to save face. I'm not going to pretend to be somebody else because this is my fucking First Amendment. And I am speaking it with my right to do so. Put me in a fucking gulag. There's going to be many more of us, and we will break them out. Need be. No, maybe not me myself, obviously. But the spirit that is here, because tyrants are here. And the people will not live in tyranny. We're not that easily brainwashable. And we're not going to eat the fucking bucks. Now, I'll just leave a note till next week on this thought. Is there any shadow of doubt? Even in my madness. Again, the motto to leave off on. All right, for those that want to judge me and all you trans testicle, you know, uh, hormone taken, vaginuses, take out of here, go into your cry closets, because you are not the dominant force above us or our children. And what you're doing is sick. And sooner or later, we're going to confront you. Say what you want, because I'm saying what I want. You see, you can turn the channel. It's that easy. This guy's crazy. And I'm crazy. But he was not angry when there is just cause for anger is immoral. Why? Because anger looks to the good of justice. And if you can live amid injustice without anger, you are immoral as well as unjust. Again, is there any shadow of doubt for the interests of justice? Till next week.